Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast video Halloween special. As you can see, or maybe you can't see, if you're listening to this as just an audio file, you can't see anything other than what you're looking at with your eyes. We can uh, see though. <laughs> we can see each other, which is great. And we have a super, super special guest. We'll talk about that in just one second. So today's episode is our favorite Halloween themes, or maybe not even our favorite, just notable ones that we want to put together in a playlist. And I have to say this playlist, I think is really, really good. It's really diverse and really strong. And um, it is, yeah, I like it. Look, we've got a very special guest today. I was just going to say more about the playlist. Like, no, we're going to be fucking talking about it for two hours or whatever. So our special guest is, some of you can see her already, um, an actual, an actual doctor of horror. The host, the host of the absolutely fantastic horror podcast, Deadly Doses. Um, organizer of the Rocky Horror Show in Dublin. <laughs> host of the Elaine, host on the Elaine show. God, your CV is incredible. Um, and if you didn't get all of that from what we just said, a horror expert, Doctor Sarah Cleary, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you doing? How's things? How are you coping during? No, oh, this is your. This is your. This is my the season. season of the witch. Yeah, the it's, witch. yeah. It's a very it's a very strange time because there's there's so much stuff not happening, and then there's so much. But then there's so much content generation online, so it's yeah. kind of like almost this empty feeling where you're just producing shit to put out, but at the same time you're not getting to reap the benefits of going mm. out and enjoying. It's literally, we've been saying that. Yeah, yeah, it's, and yeah, that's the, that's the best way I've heard it put. Yeah. You're still working really hard, but it doesn't really yeah. feel like you're getting anywhere. With yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's such a social time of year as well for for yeah. for horror people to meet up and and, and network yeah. and meet and go to, go to horathons and go to cinema screenings and now yeah. it's just it's all so one way. You know what I yeah. mean? There's not much interaction. So yeah, sure it's not someone, a, it's a weird yeah. Halloween. Yeah. It is a weird Halloween. And like it's it's also hard to compete with now. Every fucker has a podcast as well. But we were Everybody we were knew. we were there early <laughs> earlier than most. <laughs> we were doing it before lockdown, as far as I know. So yeah, so look. Yeah. And so yeah. But you know Jesus, what I will yeah, say is though, what I will say is though is that the one thing about Halloween is that at its heart, it's about storytelling. That's it. A Halloween, yeah, yeah. whether it's whether it goes all the way back to Samhain, which like the Irish invented Halloween, it is it at its heart about storytelling. So whether it's podcasts or whether it's films or whether it's stories by the fire or whether it's what whatever it is, it's about storytelling. So yeah. you can't cancel Halloween. <laughs> You, you can't, can't yeah, exactly yeah yeah Where about, has been, it's about the right week for fucking absolute edgelords to start posting up pictures of turnips as well isn't it we invented <laughs> halloween turnips yeah, every so fucking some, year man turnips like, yeah, look yeah. turnips with a yeah. face on it well, i'm i'm so bogger right that it wasn't turnips <laughs> where i'm from right it was like so when we were this is how bog i am right so myself and my it was brother, muck no, it wasn't even muck, right? Wexford was known back in the day. They don't do it anymore. But Wexford was known for its sugar beet, right? So when we were kids, around this time, there'd be trucks and trucks and trucks and tractors and tractors and tractors full of sugar beet. Yeah. And all these little like blocks of dynamite would be flying off carts and flying <laughs> off trailers. Like It was really fucking dangerous to be behind them. And you'd find just sugar beet everywhere along the roads and everywhere along the ditches. And there'd be yeah. rats as big as dogs going around the place, fat <laughs> as on sugar beet. But we used to carve out sugar beet uh, pumpkins in, um, 
instead of yeah. that. And and they're even harder to. to I don't even know <laughs> what a fucking sugar beet is. I know that's how bog I am. <laughs> I know. I know. There's famous spuds from Wexford, and there's famous yeah. uh, strawberries. strawberries. Yeah. Berries. Cahor Beach. <laughs> I camped there a few times with fishing. Right before dawn. They're from there. Right before dawn. Yeah. That's yeah. And the Clearies are from Wexford. And the Clearies. Yeah, yeah. The Clearies. <laughs> um, Infamous so Clearies. So you're right, though, it is. There's a lot of things about Halloween that you absolutely can't cancel. And no. if anything, we're already on edge, all of us. So it's like a, it's a bit of a big horror film kind of happening. That's a very cliche thing to say. No, it's, it's like, like a, a horror film. You, if you go out, there's something chasing you if you go out. like It's a mad horror film. You know what I mean? There's a lot like of work fog. being done. There's a lot of work being done. Apparently that horror fans are dealing with lockdown a lot better than non-horror really? fans because yeah. we've, sh- we've already kind of exercised a lot yeah. of our anxiety through the cathartic process of watching horror. But that's right? it. Yeah. Me, I think me and Helmut might have said it at the, when, when this whole thing began was that uh, we felt like we were ready. All, like the minute there was going to be a big global pandemic, we were like, we've been playing video games, reading comic yeah. books and watching absolutely atrocious bullshit movies our entire lives. This is yeah. just normal. Like, yeah. this is, feels, if it does kick off, I know to go to the top of the highest mountain and it'll be grand. That's yeah, it. Exactly. We're going to go. Through. Just get out of the city. That's, That's it. Problem that, solved. You know, we've got our get out bags. We've oh, got yeah. everything ready no to go. And yeah. what I find interesting is all the shit, because this is a lot of my specialisms lie in media effects and moral panics and stuff like that. And what I'm loving is, is all the stuff that was contraband, all the stuff, all screen time for kids, this argument against violent video games, this argument against overloading children with stimulus mm. um, via horror films and video games and all this sort of thing. Yeah. This is the stuff that is literally saving people's mm. mental oh, health. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not turning us all into rampant killers mm. and, and crazy people running around the place. Yet. That's a great point. It's um, a great point really is a great point yeah no. these are the things that they said you know not too much of that now we can't d- stay home and do all that stuff like stay home oh. and, and yeah okay yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great yeah. now is it oh you like it now do you yeah <laughs> never ever ever let anyone tell you watching too much violent vid- video games is going to ruin you because i'm no. fine yeah we all yeah. turned out fine <laughs> fine I, I grew up i grew up absolutely loving horror now the first horror film i ever saw did scare the shit out of me and that was nightmare elm street 2 mm. Um, because I wasn't ready for actually the first thing that ever scared me. I think I've mentioned the podcast before, but Skeletor scared the fucking shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, really. Until I went, yeah, until I went. That's shocking. No, it's okay. I'm I'm good with that. And then I really lo- I got I, I was scared enough by Nightmare on Elm Street too. Yeah, just, just the right amount to not make me go. I don't want to watch horror films anymore. I actually was so intrigued by it. And then <laughs> yeah. from then on, I was absolutely crazy. The last few years, I've dipped off a little bit. I dipped off a bit during the slasher fest when things got just. Just too gory. No, not too gory. Just like when I got like to Saw 74, I was going yeah. like, yeah. When those big franchises start happening, though, what you need to do is you need to look around the franchises and see what's happening. Um, Absolutely. Because the, 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 horror, the horror genre, it, it, it's not necessarily dominated by the big, gigantic blockbusters. Of course. Like any, on, like any, it's like yeah. anything. It's yeah. like what's happening on the fringes is always the great yeah. thing. And mm. Um, you know, so like, don't ever get bogged down by like all these franchises because, and sometimes these franchises are quite good. Like, you know, one of your things there is Maniac Cop. Like, I think yeah. Maniac Cop two, three, and four are great films. Yeah, um, I love Maniac. So Cop. you know, it's and also as well, there's a there's 
you know it, it, it's like everything you know if you if you like these franchises stick with them they're fun they're formative. of course yeah but like yeah. it's not it's not the be all and end all mm. the no there was there was still movies being made and like the great thing about horror is the, the further outside like you said those things you yeah. dig like with music you find better stuff the mainstream is not the go-to for any, <laughs> anything no Jesus, but now anything. and again there is crossovers like you know there is, yeah. there's, you know, Get Out probably was one of the most um, yeah. prolific examples. Of I like that. that. that it was yeah. a massive mainstream success. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what I found hilarious about Get Out was that the closer it edged towards the Oscars, it became less of a horror and more of a psychological thriller. Yeah. Right. I, found that, I found that hilarious. Same <laughs> yeah. thing. The, yeah. same, the same thing happened with Silence of the Lambs. Started yeah. out as a horror. And by the time it got it won that Oscar, yeah. it was a psychological thriller. I noticed that there is a sort of snub to horror films and there always has been with the oscars yeah. it's almost like it's almost like punk or metal it's like in, in at the grammys like mm, okay yeah, yeah there yeah. it's an outlier it's mm. dirty it's it, it gets us into all sorts of troubles with censorship like no it doesn't yeah yeah, so, yeah and the I people mean, are afraid to yeah it's it's and and the, and the problem a lot of the time is is that horror is castigated so often as being the cause of so much um damage and harm yes. to kids when actually, in fact, and we've got so many 80s films here today, actually, it's great. I love 80s. <laughs> but we've the 80s films, actually, they weren't the carrier of harm. They were the messenger mm. of harm. Yeah. And they, they, they basically, you know, I was I was talking to David um, uh, Weiner, who is the director of the definitive 80s horror documentary um, In Search of Darkness. And we were having this conversation about how child centric the 80s genre was, or the 80s horror film period was. Mm. Every horror film, not every, but a lot of horror films made in the 80s, the, the central premise was listen to your kids. There is a yeah. monster under the bed. There is yeah. someone looking in the window. There is a dude out there trying to hurt them in their dreams. Mm. I mean, talk about coded language for a guy creeping in in the middle of the night and jumping into the bed and harming a kid. Fuck, you know, yeah. these were the sort of things that we were articulating the absolutely inarticulate in the 80s when it comes to child abuse, when it comes to so many issues surrounding yeah. children. Just listen to your kids. That's what the 80s horrors for films were they saying. They told you to do it. Yeah, yeah and, we Did they? and we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Well, I've been really looking forward to this episode because it is going to marry yeah. horror movies. And, and we will, I, I can already tell you right now, we will be talking far more about the films than the things. So, for oh, people who yeah. are here just for the music, <laughs> you'll still get some facts. You'll still get some facts. Yeah. So not for me. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. We, you'll actually. That's like I said before. You will have to dig us out of a hole and oh, call, call us on all of the bullshit and all yeah. the things that are wrong. But um, I think we'll go into our first choice. So this yes. is a, this is a really good playlist. I'm looking at it here, and the first choice is Gar. So you uh, tell us what you chose for your yeah. First. Uh, first one I picked was Ave Satani um, by Jerry Goldsmith from The Omen. Well, the Omen obviously came out in 1976. So I was doing a little bit of digging on Jerry. I wanted to see what else he'd done. So apparently he started in CBS in the 50s and he started working for like Star Trek and stuff like this. Right. And eventually he uh, he moved on to a couple of studios he'd done. I have a list of the, the movies he'd done. And it's amazing, actually, the stuff he'd done. Uh, Dr. Kildare, The Man from Uncle, uh, Patton, Papillon. He'd done Planet of the Apes. He'd done, Jesus Christ, he'd done all the Star Trek motion pictures. Really? As well as yeah, the TV show. Apparently, apparently, when he started, Gene Roddenberry was a big uh, fan of the stuff he was doing, and wanted him to do a lot of the music for the, the the original Star Trek TV show. So apparently, the way it worked was when you worked for CBS and you wanted to be a musician, you started off in the typist pool, and when you're in the typist pool once a week, 
they gave you a couple of hours in the studio just to try and mess around with some, uh, have some ideas for music. And they'd figure out then if it would fit one of their TV shows or the movies that they were working on. Okay. And one of the first things he'd done apparently was something for Star Trek and Roddenberry heard and he was like, that's really good. We'll keep him. So it was um, obviously a Moog synthesizer going, Whoa. pretty much. Well, they, they would have had access to everything. So he'd done the, the Omen in 1976. The Omen apparently, when I was reading about it, apparently the Omen was kind of shot on when it first came out. Everybody thought mm-hmm. it was like... Um, it was just, it was like the best in a long line of Exorcist ripoffs. Apparently, was the way it was kind of looked upon. Now, I'm not going to lie; it's been a while since I've seen The Omen. Um, I probably saw, I probably seen one of the one of the sequels more uh, kind of close to now than I have seen the original one. But mm. I always remember whenever I think of The Omen, I always remember that isn't there a bit where a fella gets hung by a chandelier or something like that in the middle of a of a room. There's, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of really interesting deaths around that. Are you going to start going into the curses surrounding? No, the, I don't know anything no? about that. All right. <laughs> Remember, I'm the bloke who says that like I watch horror movies. I'm not mad into horror movies. Like, right, I thought okay. you were definitely way into the modern. No, movies. I like stuff like yeah. I like a lot of those kind of folky horror movies. Like I like Midsummer. I like right. uh, Ritual. Um, okay. What else did I like? I I like that Border movie. It's not really a horror movie. It's more of a. It's kind of a horror movie, is it? Order, I don't know. Order, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. I like that kind of yeah. stuff. I'm more into like mo- stupid monster movies where I can fall asleep and wake up half an hour later and I haven't missed it. You know yeah, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the scene I think that you're referring to is where the mother is actually hanging off the chandelier. Yeah. She's standing on oh, the balcony yeah. of her, or she's standing on the landing of her house. Yeah, and the little uh, Damien is, um, and it's this really kind of vicious scene yeah. and it looks like you know when when a bull is approaching somebody in a field and yeah. the little bastard just runs at her on his little trike and knocks her off the landing and she's holding on to the chandelier and she's pregnant with um her second child and uh yeah, obviously damien yeah damien doesn't want um any sort of competition <laughs> in the home yeah so she yeah so obviously wasn't wasn't the idea happened. that damien wasn't even their kid he was no. like swapped out because their original child died. Swapped or something. out with with the devil. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. when, whenever I think, whenever I think of the Omen or Damien, I only think of Holy Fields and Horses. First really? thing I think of yeah. is yeah. Del Boy's child, Damien, and Rodney looking for the the six 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 on his head. And you that's hear the, the, first thing the I think. music. The yeah, other, yeah. that's <laughs> odd. Yeah, but this this piece of Satani, I looked it up. Um, so he, he, the whole movie had two Oscar nominations. There was mm-hmm. an Oscar one for the soundtrack. Mm. Um, for this song actually in particular it's is it a song right it's not a song it's a piece of music like there's a couple of these that are on the playlist that are songs um this is more of a it's a composition more than anything else i actually even looked up what the yeah, lyrics you just were. have a choir yeah they are saying something but yeah i wouldn't consider it yeah song. so it's do you want to hear my latin go oh yeah go <laughs> right here we go sanguis bibimus corpus edimus tole corpus satani right this we drink the blood song. We eat the flesh, raise the body of Satan. Ave Satini means hail Satan. Ave versus Christus. That's really literal, isn't it? Ave mm-hmm. versus Christus. Hail the Antichrist. So now you know the Latin for the Antichrist is versus Christus. Well, that's that's it. It was essentially, I mean, that's where the whole Miltonic idea of Satan comes from. Yeah. Um, he Satan, and that's why an awful lot of people subscribe to uh, the temple of uh, the Satanic temple mm. because essentially it isn't evil. It's yes. just the verses. It's the yeah. reverse mm. of God. Yeah. It's the reverse of organized religion. It's the mm. reverse yeah. of what uh, um, kind of like the status quo is. So it's never, it's never actually has any connotations with 
evil. He's with evil, yeah. A yeah. fallen angel. Yeah, because I, th- I think it was like the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that that expanded upon the idea of Satan and the rest of the, de- a lot of the demons' names and stuff came from the Dead Sea Scrolls. They weren't really mm. in the Bible or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah. They were made <laughs> so, up as opposed to the other stuff. Oh, yeah, which is mad real. <laughs> Super real. We found that one in a cave, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So apparently there's been three different versions of the Omen soundtrack. So the first one, the first one that came out um, was very restrictive. It was only like 30 minutes long. It was missing loads of stuff. So they'd done mm-hmm. a 40th, I think they done a 30th anniversary version, which is an expanded version. And then for the 40th anniversary, they came out with one that had every single piece of like incremental music, every kind of little background synth pad, everything was on there. And it was released in like a vinyl box set and a multi CD set and stuff like that. Now, again, with a lot of this stuff, I don't know if anybody's going to sit down and listen to the fucking Almond soundtrack, lads, but like it looks real cool on the wall, doesn't it? So, uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like there's there's loads there's 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 stuff on this uh, on this playlist that I would actually buy. Right, mm-hmm. this uh, I'm never gonna put this on. This is just a cool piece of horror music. Yeah. You could have done a whole podcast on just incidental music. That oh, is yeah. big time. part part of the scores of all yeah. these because that's where it's actual real horror lies. Oh yeah, it's actually very rarely in the themes, especially the ones we've picked. It's the it's the incidental stuff like. Alley called alleyway down yeah. the bottom, maybe track eighteen of yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the fucking freakiest one on it. So apparently, yeah. uh, Jerry Goldsmith done the music for Poltergeist as well. Um, mm-hmm. He died in two thousand and four of uh, of cancer. He's considered to be one of the most kind of innovative avant garde um, uh, film score composers of all time. And just mm-hmm. look, the list of stuff he done, lads, is bananas like yeah, yeah. Capricorn 1 which I love I love Capricorn 1 I'm more of a sci-fi guy than a horror guy but I like horror right. as well um, Capricorn 1 Logan's Run Jesus Christ what else do you do my writing lads is shocking it wasn't great at the start That's of the lockdown it wasn't great at the start of the lockdown oh Alien he done Alien there you go um, right. loads, of, loads of his stuff has taken off Alien actually and it was put back again later yeah Um. what else did he do it's all the Rambo movies now we're talking oh, we're talking yes. language Done all the Rambo. He also done one of my favorite, maybe horror movies, maybe actual. Um, what was the thing you said about uh, when it go, comes to the Oscars? What's the, the cre- thrillers? It becomes a psychological thriller. psychological thriller. My favorite psychological thriller, The Vanishing with Kiefer Sutherland. I love that yeah, movie. Yeah, horror. Um, he done the music yeah. for that as well. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Horror. <laughs> yeah, horror. It is it's a horror yeah. film. It yeah. is. There's just no monsters in it. For me, it has to be a ghost. <laughs> Really? It, it always has to have monsters yeah, to make really. it a horror film for you. So, Absolutely. so Damien, so Damien is the monster in the Omen <laughs> yeah, for you, then, because he's the devil's baby. Well, you know what the interesting thing about the Omen was? It, there's always been this kind of really fun, kind of like slightly um, risque um, game of tennis between Catholicism and, and Protestantism, Protestantism in um, in the in in horror, especially seventies horror, early seventies horror. So you had Rosemary's Baby, that was very much considered a Protestant text. Then you had the table tennis game of The Exorcist, and the weird thing about The Exorcist oh, wow. is that on the one side of it, you had um a lot of priests condemning it but it but on the flip side of that you actually had a lot of and this came from rome you had a lot of priests praising the exorcist because essentially who are the heroes in the exorcist yeah that's true to catholic priests and 
you know, they, I've, I, I adore The Exorcist. It's an amazing mm. film, but it's an incredibly problematic film. I suppose, Jesus, you're going to have about 50% of your listenership just turn off now the I second doubt you it. say this word. <laughs> no, we love this. I doubt it. No, no, no. You're going to have about 50% of the people literally turn off. From a feminist perspective, The Exorcist is a really problem. Yeah, I know. Even Gary's leaving. He's gone now. Look, my dog actually is after leaving the room now. We're, we're quite um, pro-feminist. I'm an, ally, I'm an alloy, apparently. But from a a feminist perspective, it's a really problematic film because it takes a literal father to come in and clean house because Mm. the woman, if she'd have goddamn just stayed at home, looked after her child and not have somebody else rearing it, she wouldn't have gone up into the attic. She wouldn't have made um, contact with the devil. She Mm. wouldn't then have become possessed. So it's a really pro-Catholic anti-woman, which essentially is Catholicism, um, yeah, it is to be fair. Film. So what happened was was the omen was considered to be the answer to the exorcist. The Protestants came along and said, you know what? Fuck Catholicism. Mm. You didn't win. And the omen is always considered <laughs> crazy. Rather a Protestant mm. text. Yeah. That's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, if you're Catholic, if you're Catholic in um if you're Catholic in in, in the Prod- in the omen, you you don't get out. You don't get out safe. Interesting. <laughs> they'll take the They'll take a win anywhere, both sides, won't they? They will, anywhere. they will, yeah. So this is really interesting game of tennis being played between the two religions, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that was yeah. uh, Ave Satani by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, obviously, it's a great... Zoom is popping up now with shit on my screen. Yeah, Go away, Zoom. Um, so, yeah, uh, what's next, Helmut? Uh, Sarah, I think you're next. You've got your choices next. Yeah, so my next choice is, there's kind of a couple of iterations of this, but I suppose we'll start off with the original of it is, and it's Vic Mizzy's Adam's Family mm. theme. And yeah, this came great. about in uh, 1965 and it's got the whole kind of Beach Boys thing going through it. Um, I just love it. And then it was, av- the lyrics were added to it then for the TV show which ran between 1965 and uh, 1966, 67, I think. Uh, where it really gets special for me is in the, there's, there was many iterations of it. It was a film in the 70s and uh, Vic Mizzy came in and he also, he scored that as well. But where it really gets special for me is what Mark Shaman did with it in 1991 and in 1993 for Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values, mm. which as far as I'm concerned, are two of the most perfect films that were yeah. ever made, especially Adam's Family Values. I don't know which one I prefer, but I love the both of them. You do, you do. I think if I was to, I'm, I'm never been a whole kind of Beach Boys type of girl, surfer girl. I've not, I've not really, I'm not really into my Americana that much. So I think. Mm. I would probably veer towards the more modern and modern 30 years ago, modern interpretation mm. of Mark Shaman's uh, 1991 version of mm. it. It's just. No, I just mean which which Adam's family of the 90s. I oh, prefer. of the 90s. Definitely, oh, it ha- yeah. It's the values. Hands down. It's the values. Yeah, because val- every time I try and think of something that happened in the first one, I think mm. of something that happened in values. Like, and then, oh, that was values, actually. Yeah. But I still love yeah. the first one. But like, yeah, every time I think of something. So. Values is more iconic. 
has to be I more think visually. so I think so and of mm. course then you've got Raul Julia playing Gomez Adams and sadly M. Bison. died M. Bison he played yeah. M. Bison <laughs> yeah that's all but he'll ever so be good. he yeah. was too good for that yeah. film like Brilliant. you could see halfway through that film he was like oh god yeah. and he Brilliant. was do you know what he was actually amazing humanitarian as well in really? real life he was just one of these really good guys Um, he did a lot for 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 very underprivileged people in his area he was an mm. amazing advocate for the arts he was just a special type of person and when he filmed um Adam's family values he actually had cancer at the time and he was struggling quite badly oh, it, with yeah, yeah with with role <laughs> so um and he died I think it was like a year or two later after Adam's family I was devastated even as a little little tiny child yeah. I was devastated by that but then you had my other lover in my life Tim Curry came in and he did the uh, third Adam's family values uh no there was a third a- one there was a third one that people don't really talk about. You Daryl Hannah. Remember that. You Daryl Hannah as Morticia Adams and my beloved Frankenfurter, um, Tim Curry played Gomez Adams. But I do not remember that at all. Straight to it. Are you allowed to be straight. that blonde and be a Morticia? Because it's really hard to remember. Any, like, yeah. Daryl Hannah, like, like you're thinking, it's so weird to see Daryl Hannah with Daryl. Although yeah. he's certainly in Kill Bill too with dark yeah. hair. But even that was like when someone is established as the most blonde persons that ever existed. Yeah. Yeah. It was a straight to video job. But I think just getting back to the music of it. And again, guys, you know, I'm, I know I'm on hallowed territory with you guys in terms of music appreciation. So, no, but I think from a very lay perspective and somebody who is very ignorant of 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 the kind of intricacies of uh, music one thing i love about um the barry sonnenfields 1991 and 1993 is it it gives this whimsy aristotelian um kind of aristotic um a feel to what was quite a clumsy and kind of kooky affair mm, yeah. the music is raised with 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 this amazing orchestra yeah, and yeah. It, this it just it raises raises the entire film mm. for me especially the intro you feel it in the intro yeah. of that film it's yeah. really sweeping you know yeah. whoa oh, it's very sweet more modern yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was also the music for my um, I walked down the aisle as a married woman That's right. to it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, I think I, pr- I press play on that, I think. You did, you press play. Um, that's <laughs> it, Paul. You were actually my maestro man from, from the wedding and you pressed <laughs> yeah. play and my bridal party walked down to Vic Mizzy. It was Mizzy. brilliant. It was Vic, Vic Mizzy. Uh, Vic Mizzy's version that we walked back down the aisle to. It was actually Ooh. the theme tune from Rocky um that i walked up the aisle to oh. up the aisle to, that's right wasn't yes, it Mickey, mickey's, mickey's theme mickey's, mickey's theme mickey's yeah theme, yeah, yeah it was the most beautiful piece of music ever if you get me back on for a rocky I, rocky is my other love so get back on yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah we can do if it me and gar if me and gar ever get married i think our song would be uh what would, I say? What would your song be black hole son i don't know um <laughs> me and Helma got married. There's a there's somebody people post, saying, let, me and they post that up on Facebook for us. What would if me yeah. and Helma get married? What would there we go? There comment on what our songs, songs would be. be. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can tell us. You, they can tell us. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean the Adams family is one. Of this, again, it's just such a recognizable song. Yeah. And yeah, there is. 
there's vast differences between, between the versions actually if you think about there, it like, there is there is um where Vic Mizzy was coming from he was actually very much worked in TV and he did uh, you know it wasn't horror a lot of the stuff he was doing this, the late 50s early 60s was really a time in American TV for the sitcom so yeah. there was an awful lot of these kind of kooky cutty cookie cutter TV shows yeah. that he just did generic music for um, Mr. Ed yeah stuff yeah. like that like you yeah. know um so he 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 definitely but with, <laughs> but he did capture that music and i think he captured the the essence of the adams family as well very mm. much so in that music um because if you go back all the way to the 1930s when the adams family first appeared as 30s? cartoons yeah yeah they oh. were uh, they were they were written by a dude called charles adams and they were meant to be a kind of an inversion of a typical nuclear family oh. so um yeah oh, kind of like right. a piss take of of, yeah. of of american family life and that's cool really i appeared. didn't know they were that old like yeah they I, appeared yeah. in the yeah. new yorker when i was a kid i think it was like sunday mornings on sky or channel four they used to show they do like an episode or two of the adams family then they do an episode or two of the Munsters. Yeah. They got yeah. all the old kind of black and white American TV shows. Then have like Mr. Ed. It was like, mm. must have been six hours of that fucking like mad early television. The, mon- the Monsters was good, but it was more like get them laughing quick and get them. It doesn't matter if the the, 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 the feel of it isn't as tight as the other family. Ah, yeah. It's, the it's definitely yeah. fucking great though. It's torn up to 11. I love the Monsters. Yeah, I it's a it. kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was always an Adams Family girl, yeah. I have yeah. to say. I think yeah. the reason why I like the Adams Family was because I was always a little dirtboard even as a kid and I used to love... <laughs> One of the things about the Adams family, even in, you know, late 50s, six or six, mid 60s, should I say, America, is that there was a taboo that mm. really was broken with the Adams family. And that's a married couple showing affection. You never yeah. saw that. And even yeah. to this day, once you're married, yeah, you don't have sex. That's it. That's the end of it. Um, so there was a taboo very much broken where you had yeah. a wife and a husband in love with each other. Yeah, they were always talking about riding, weren't they? One hundred percent. Original power couple, yeah. couple yeah. goals. They yeah. were, we, we and they domestic, yeah. and they very much domesticated BDSM and made yeah. it, you know, normalized. Yeah, he, yeah. he'd always be fucking sweating, wouldn't he? Be walking up like that behind <laughs> fucking so trembling. It, so there's a lot of there's a lot of very coded language even taking place in the 1960s. Adam's yeah. family to do with sex, to do with love, to do with even there's an episode in it where. In the 1960s version, which uh, Vic Mizzy would have um, done the music for, where Wednesday gets into trouble and corporal punishment would have been very much the norm within 1960s. You know, even in those um, father knows best in those type of sitcoms, you know, the Mm. kid would go over the knee and down would come the, the spoon or the shoe or the belt. And in Adam's family, there's this one episode where Wednesday gets into trouble and Fester says, you know, get Wednesday over your knee. And both of them go, no, we don't hit our children. And yeah, like that would have been, you know, these are the kooky, weird outliers of society. Yeah. They're, one, they're the ones espousing actual, very modern um, opinions about child rearing, about mm. sex, about love. So it's interesting. So it kind of ties into like the whole Satanism thing as well. It's like, it's not about yeah. hate. It's not about yeah. evil. And in fact, they are actually some of the most, they actually are the more perfect family. They don't hit their kids. Things are going really well between them. Everyone is actually happy. Wednesday yeah. is happy, but she's not she really, is. you know, she's pretending to not be because of it's the, it's the, you know, it's yeah, the gothy, she, gothy kind of thing, but it's, it's perfect. Pugsley is, is, yeah. is delighted with himself all the time. <laughs> yeah, loves life, loving life. <laughs> 
and pubert pubert <laughs> is the, pubert the, the baby in Adam's family values it's uh, with the, born with the mustache genius yeah it's, just, it's genius. just amazing it's a beautiful yeah. perfect film all right so What's my one my next yeah my first one is from a film that i absolutely love it's really really close to my heart it's some people will say it's not a horror, but definitely fucking is. It's a comedy sci-fi horror, mm. and it is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is, I think it's 1988, 1988. Mm. Ever since I saw it as a kid, I was like, that is going to be yeah. with me for the rest of my life, and it has been. I absolutely just love it. I love it, yeah. It, what it doesn't do in horror, it makes up for, I think, maybe inadvertently with absolutely unease. It's mm. parts of that that are unnerving, and I'm not even sure... I'm sure there's times when the Chiodo brothers wanted it to be touching on scary, but are funny and they've just got the wires slight or maybe, they, you know, what, they're genius. They probably did it on purpose, but there's times where you're just watching it. I feel really uneasy watching it because you're, they're not, nothing particularly horror is happening. It's just slowly set. You'll see one of them walking in, but just the look of those costumes yeah. is enough to, as a kid, Freak the shit yeah. out of you. I, I so, love I so well It's around yeah. that time. When did the um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and all come out? That would have been. Yeah, they were they were my favorite. Yeah, as well. That's see, around mid 80s, I think. Yeah, that, see that level of garbage. That's that you're speaking my language there. Critters. I love that. Yeah, critters and stuff like this. Ghoulies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those guys, those guys did. Um, the shout out did do. The brothers did uh, the costumes for uh, Critters. And. Oh. Mm. And Team America, weirdly enough, as well. America. I tried um, to watch that new Critters TV show there. They're like, Is there a Critters TV show? Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Each episode's like 10 minutes long. It's, I don't know what's going on, man. No. no. Okay. Well, obviously, the song is <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the title team uh, done by the Dickies, the Californian uh, pop, pop, power punk, pop punk band. Um, I'm not mad into power pop punk or pop punk, but I still have to like the. What is that? What is what is that? Define that for the uninitiated. Power pop is pop done with, I guess, rock instruments. So it's yeah. like pop rock, but it's yeah. done instead of heavy on the rock. It's just very pop. If you str- you could change the instruments out and it'd still be just an absolute pop song. Who, yeah. who it's would high be intensity. Stream example of it. Cheap power trick pop. maybe. Cheap yeah. trick was like that kind of really upbeat, happy. Uh, right. Okay. Who else? Modern days. Who? <laughs> uh, Green pop. Day would have been one of the bands that would have changed from like a pop punk band into like a power pop power kind pop of band as well. Like yeah. you know, okay. it's uh, where the teams don't have to be as as punky. Juvenile or punky or yeah, right. like, anti-establishment. Like Avril Lavigne kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that would have so, been it. Yeah. yeah. She would have marketed herself as emo punk but that yeah. is power pop power it pop, is power yeah. pop yeah. Right, okay. uh, Par- Paramore as well are kind of power pop yeah. right, the, the, okay. power pop is not something any band I've ever heard themselves call themselves no this is is it a slur no, is it a slur it's no, something no, that no. pricks say about bands like us yeah. but like, the band <laughs> yeah. would never yeah. say it is Ever. that like is that like that word that I I found out about a few years ago and I'm still roaring laughing at I think I actually found out about it in the Thomas House would you be that that the second time I was ever in there um uh what's it called true 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 metal Oh, you know, true, like yeah, cult yeah, metal yeah. with a yeah, yeah, I found yeah. out about that and I was like someone was being serious talking to me about it and I went what yeah. are you actually talking yeah. about? There's loads of names for things that are just Don't made up. Don't listen to Metlers ever. Ever. So we'll talk about the song briefly. Um, it is 
riff wise, it starts with such an amazing riff based on the, the carnival, the, the typical classic uh, quintessential carnival music. But then it turns into what sounds like a kind of proggy song with the keyboards. It sounds like, yes, I always think this song sounds like it could have been the child of like Mr. Bungle. Yes. And cheap trick possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the drummer I want to talk about really briefly is the drummer from the last Captain Beefheart album and the first Red Hot Chili Peppers album, which is mental. <laughs> He's also nice. Cliff Martinez. That's his name. And he mm. did the music for Drive, oh. the movie Drive. I only found all this. I was like, I can't believe I own two Cliff Martinez albums. In my- yeah. Briefly, just let you know, one of them is not that Red Hot Chili Peppers album. I never will be. <laughs> Yeah, we ha- we had the Dickies play in Thomas House a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah. they were fantastic. They played this song. Um, I've been a Dickies fan for years, years and years and years. Um, I got this before you picked it. I yeah, get- I was absolutely taking this, and I saw Helmut on it. I was like, "Are oh, you a fucking prick?" I guess I'll just pick some fucking type of music instead. Um, this is the only, literally the only place where like my musical interests and horror ever would match. And Helmut steals it. Yeah, exactly. And I love this song. Uh, this song is one of this is one of their most their most famous songs probably the banana split song right so that's the dickies as well do a version that very famous version of it um so that's probably the number one song say number two or three anyway the top three is definitely the killer clown song yeah it's i think it's genuinely such an incredible song it's so it wouldn't wouldn't be mad into dickies i do a lot of respect for them in certain pop punk bands like the descendants are kind yeah. of poppy yeah. where they don't rely on nasally crybaby singing. I love oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. listen to that. The, the singer from the Dickies is batshit mad. I mean, full yeah. mental. Like, low, with, big, uh, long Leonard round. Graves. Leonard Graves, yeah. He's so, the only member I think still... still him um, and Stan Lee, the guitarist. Oh, Stan Lee, yeah. yeah. And um, the, the, those, <laughs> when, they, when they walked in, when they walked into the, into the pub and they uh, they were like, all right, yeah, so where's the venue? And I'm like, you're in it. Like, oh. like is this not the, this is the changing room? They're, no, there's no changing room. Like, you're in the venue right now. And the band turned around and were like, all right, this is going to kill. And the singer, Leonard, was like, absolutely not. And he just walked out, walked really? straight out the front door. Yeah, oh, left. No. And did the band play? had to go out. I did play. Yeah, he, they had to go out and get him. And he came back right, in. Oh, he oh, apologized. He apologized. Good. Played a fucking stormer, and when they finished the gig, they had to go. I think they had to go and get a ferry to Wales or something like that. Right. And while they were on the ferry to Wales, he posted something up on their Facebook page saying that that was one of the one of their favorite gigs that they've played in years, and definitely the best gig they've played in Europe in about twenty years because they haven't. Everyone else books them in these big, giant, like thousand capacity rooms, and we threw them in a room that holds eighty people. It's a fucking humble pie for you, man. Yeah, exactly. So get he posted right up himself. In front, get get in the spit. That was right the whole the idea. Like that's like the, the whole concept that I was gigs is yeah. that like we, we could we could put them on the bigger venue you know but the idea yeah. is yeah. Well, to put them in a tiny room for the people who are obsessed with the dickies yeah. you get to see them in a room where you can literally touch them you know and yeah, uh, yeah. fair play to them we posted up afterwards that uh like it was the best gig they've done in years they fucking love doing it and uh, they want to come back the next time and blah, blah 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 but it was it was around that time that i think just before they'd gone the european tour it was some anniversary of killer clowns 
and they were invited right, yeah. to like is it like Red Rock Amphitheater or something like that in Colorado? Was that, 2000, was that 2016? This would have been around then, yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. when that's when they released the Killer Clowns from Outer Space vinyl. Yes, re-release. Yeah. yeah, well, apparently they were they were um, invited to do a gig in that that kind of natural amphitheater outside, and they had a full orchestra and everyone with them, and they they only played that song. So they played the movie. They had a big giant screen in the amphitheater, and the band come out and played the intro to the movie. With the like the full orchestra and the keyboards, the whole shebang, and then the movie starts and they fucked off and they, they it's, it's up on YouTube. It's fucking amazing how it's wow, amazing. So yeah, like it's it's this is I tried to pick my favorite films and my favorite themes and see which ones married together. Mm. This is the one uh, that met the highest criteria of both of those two things together, like the highest film and mm. highest song later on we'll see how that didn't work out too well but uh but uh yeah i loved it, the fact that this is a standalone film although there was supposed to be a sequel return of the killer clowns from outer space 3d which was yeah. obviously in development while 3d films were still popular in yeah mid- remember 3D, 3d films, films. Remember, remember yeah. They, like yeah they a resurgence in them and everyone went out and bought the tvs yeah. and i was like oh wait oh wait oh wait it oh. never really it just never really caught on i think no. we're, we're just kind of and even within the horror genre i mean you yeah. saw like uh my bloody valentine and a few yeah. films like that and prom night and you know they did the whole 3d but it was just we never really got into them no. i know I, I think the last one i saw was avatar to be brutally honest with yeah you. right i remember yeah. when i was yeah. about 13 and we were staying down in wicklow and it was Halloween. It was probably like, Jesus, 1993 or 1994. And there was a whole thing with like, what, what was the newspaper? It might have been like, it's the Indo or something. It had been like some Irish newspaper, not like yeah. a Dublin one. And they were giving away, um, they had 3D glasses stapled to the front of every newspaper. Yeah, I remember those things. And it, yeah. it, was, it was like Halloween night. They were going to show three or four 3D movies on the telly. Mm-hmm. And we were so fucking happy. Me and my sister were like, we ran out, bought two copies of the newspaper. We were running around with the 3D glasses, getting ready to watch 3D films. Yeah. We literally thought shit was going to come and get us. Yes, you do, don't yeah. you? <laughs> and we were freaked the fuck out. We were ready. We were running around, waiting until like six o'clock or whatever. RTE, Network 2 at the time, would have been getting ready to show all these movies. And we went over to my auntie's house because the house we had in Wicklow had no telly, barely had electricity. Mm-hmm. There was no telly there. We ran down to my auntie's house in uh, in Shalala to watch these films and uh, she, we're running in with the glasses and we're like turn the telly on turn the telly on she had a fucking black and white telly oh no <laughs> so, <laughs> still to this day I have never Her seen anything was broken. I've never the seen first, anything with those proper little glasses the first 3D film I ever saw was on VHS I was trying to find a date for it there mm-hmm. and it was a horror film and it was Freddy's Dead because that came with yeah. 3D glass there we go. Care's got his 3D glasses have them on, on me now uh, yeah. and it, I remember thinking there was only certain parts of it. I think there was a Molotov at some point in it, or someone someone tries to burn Freddy. Or yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. I mean, obviously that happens at the start of the film. If anyone mm-hmm. has never seen, but ah, uh, not yeah. much of a spoiler alert there. No, it's not, yeah. <laughs> and there was stuff where you'll see his his hand coming across. And I, yeah. even though it was, even though Freddy's dead, not my favorite. No, uh, no one's favorite. <laughs> no, no one's favorite. It was kind of cool, but um. Yeah, so this this just quickly to move off Killer Clowns so we can go on to something else. That's not going to happen because Sci-Fi in 2018 said they wanted to buy it, 
but then there was that merger between Disney and Fox, and now it's in the bin. So Blu-ray was Blu-ray was released two years ago with all the bloopers and deleted scenes, and the Dickies themselves are still gigging to this day. Hopefully, wow, back in the Thomas House someday. Back in the Thomas House someday. So, it's, it's, so yeah, it's, that was it's, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a brilliant film, though. I mean, it's a complete celebration. I love it. Of, it's a complete celebration of grotesque, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it's so. absolutely. Just, it's just such a kind, it's like, it's such a really, and you were talking about there, this kind of uncanniness that's that permeates yeah. the film. And it's just, it's so much fun. It's like almost, um, there's an awful lot of work done on this idea of like, um, of Bacton and this idea of celebration of carnival and celebration yeah. of just of the grotesqueries of life. And I always think that Killer Clowns is, is something like that. And I wonder how much it would have cost if they weren't expert costume designers and prop makers and well they're not prop makers costumes, yeah. yeah because that film was made for under two million which wow, is insane yeah. if you think about mm-hmm. it but if they had outsourced that 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 triples maybe even more because those I, costumes are incredible in that and they're unfortunately all- if they'd have been made if that film had been made now all of that would have been cgi yeah CGI and just, and that, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have had the realness. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have had you the could, kind of like the visceralness even, to it. Yeah, you could even see there was parts of that with foam, and it looked sometimes bad a little bit. But the but it was the, it was yeah, it was the design. If you look at the design of something like all the characters in Nightmare Before Christmas, they are all perfectly designed, iconic characters. Yeah, they all look the part, and every clown in Killer Clowns looks exactly the way it's supposed to there was there was something about of, that yeah. era of movies where stuff was real and you got to see yeah got to see like real things on the screen it's like remember they, i'm all about that i can't oh, watch cgi yeah. stuff i can but it, it takes it's supposed to, it's not supposed to take me out completely and and really bad effects don't take me out cgi no matter how well it's done and i know it that uncanny valley yeah, you lose it. I remember watching uh, My Missus Never Seen The Thing, and The Thing is probably one of my favourite films of oh, all time. Yeah. And, uh, John so we Carpenter's watched, yeah. The Thing. Yeah. And we watched The Thing, and then uh, I was like, no, there's a second one. I was like, really? I was like, yeah, it's like modern enough now, but it's like, it's meant to be the story of like, kind of like a prequel. All, whichever way, it was. what do they call them? They have a name for the re- re- requels, I think Requel. they call them now. Yeah, yeah, it's a fucking garbage term, but anyway. I am... Um, so put that on like the next day and it was just horrific because there was so much CG and all the cool spider head shit and all that you liked from the force and was gone. And like yeah. they even CG dogs and everyone's like, what's the fuck? Yeah, it's just not that mm. they should have stopped with Jurassic Park. That yes. was I remember seeing that actually, yeah. as a kid mm. and thinking that this was actually this was actually magic. Yes. What I was seeing mm. on the screen, yeah. you know, that first scene where they. Oh, I'm betraying now my, my childhood, Sarah, by not knowing the name of the dinosaurs with the big long necks. The Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus. She's screaming inside your gun. She's Because, yeah, because like, I mean, I was like, you know, we went up to Dino Live in, in Dublin Zoo and everything. <laughs> like, it was amazing. But yeah. anyway, you know that scene when the Brontosaurus are running? The force when you see walking yes, out. Yeah. See, yeah, and they see them for the first time. Mm. That was kind of like. Yes, that was the type of magic I think that people in the 19th thirties would have experienced when they saw the first surgeons of the golden age of Hollywood mm. horror. You know that kind mm. of that magic effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people saw King seeing... Kong for the first time and yes, yes. Yeah. I remember seeing Jurassic Park and thinking this was magic. Yeah. They actually mm. made dinosaurs for this film. Yeah. There's yeah. no other way of doing it. Yeah. And I yeah. just don't think CGI has that effect in the no. 21st century. No, unless the entire thing is CG, it doesn't work. Yeah, Your yeah. brain, people's brains are doing things that subconsciously they don't know about. There's little messages saying, 
that lighting is completely wrong for and it's shiny and it's weird and it's not sitting into the thing. You yeah. might not be might not be saying that directly to you, but these little things are popping up in people's brains. Instinctually, you're kind of like, I can't figure out what about this. I'm not finding, but animatronics and stuff like that from from the and first stop time. motion. You can't yeah, beat it. I think the first time I really saw it was it would have been Jason the Argonauts. Yeah. Stop oh, Harry, with the skeletons rising yeah. up. Oh, unbelievable! God. And then the Amazing. first time I saw American Werewolf, I fucking shot yeah. myself. The yeah. transformation it's too, scene. It's too much for me as a kid. I was like. Yeah. It's too real, but then we got thriller out of it. So, and good. we also got we also got a new Oscar um, um, category. Rick Baker oh, won. That. Rick Baker won the first Oscar for special effects for wow. American Werewolf. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Then, yeah. So yeah, so look, that's my that's my killer clowns. I think Gary, you're next. Oh, I'm next. Go? Right. So I think it's the the first of many John Carpenters that are going to appear. Woo! On this uh, on this show, so I, I picked a weird one, and uh, I picked music from uh, Ghosts of Mars. I picked a song called uh, "Fight Train," and the reason I picked uh, Ghosts of Mars is like I've always been a big Carpenter fan, but when Ghosts of Mars came out, I was just in the for me, I was in the right moment in my life to have like John Carpenter, have John Carpenter, Ice Cube, and Anthrax. All in the same mix. <laughs> it's like this triangle. It's mad. Of, yeah, this triangle of amazingness that happened. So apparently, what happened was Carpenter wanted to make this movie. Uh, first of all, this movie was supposed to be a sequel to Escape from Los Angeles, so it's meant to be the tour in the Escape from New York uh, trilogy. <clears throat> but the studio were like, "Listen, Escape from LA made if like big fat zero amount of money, <laughs> and you're not allowed to do it." I liked it. Yeah, I I love Ghost Ghost of Mars. I think it's just bullshit trolling. Oh, I like the second. Yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I do too. It's fine. The blow of the basketball scene is ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. The surfing scene as well. You go fucking surfing on a tidal wave and all. There's some absolute garbage. Or the um the uh the 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 plastic surgery scene. Oh, with Bruce Campbell, isn't it? Is Bruce Campbell the plastic surgeon? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the first one is standard kind of dystopian garbage and the second one is almost a hammy version of it that oh, people had, couldn't yeah, really cope with everyone yeah. had so much fun in that film. oh yeah absolutely yeah but apparently it just didn't didn't translate into money so uh he said listen let's we'll just make it another thing because the main character ice cube's character was supposed to be snake Pliskin in in this and they were saying no so apparently this is fucking mad weird apparently um ice cube's character um, I can't remember what was his name. Something Jones, fucking Apocalypse Jones, or something like that was his name. <laughs> some, some, something like that. That character was meant to be played by Jason Statham, um, right. because Carpenter really liked them. And the studio were like, hey, "No, you can't have Jason Statham. You have to have fucking uh, Ice Cube. It has to be Ice Cube." And he goes, "Who the fuck is Ice Cube?" So I said, "Right, uh, give me Ice Cube, then I'll write." So Natasha Henstridge is in it as well as like kind of second lead. And her, she was meant to be, uh, her character's meant to be played by Courtney Love. And right. Apparently, Courtney Love couldn't do it because the fella she was going out with at the time in 2001, when they were getting ready to shoot this, um, his ex-wife ran her over in a car and uh, smashed her foot up or something like that. So she couldn't do the physical training. Part, be part of the course of the being uh, Courtney Love, really. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's karma. And... Um, <laughs> Oh. We don't know. We don't know if she's a murderer. She's absolutely a, a murderess, one hundred percent. She killed Court. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
So <laughs> what? Sensational. Uh, what, yeah. So what yeah. Carpenter done was uh, they made the movie. He was like, this film's okay. We might need to jazz this up a little bit. So he had done his normal thing, wrote, directed, scored it. He had the whole score sitting there. And it's apparently like, like, that's like, everybody likes metal. Like new metal is a thing, isn't it? People love metal music and rock and all. When I get a load of like rockers in here and just put some music on top of my soundtrack and maybe that'd be cool. So he brought in, he brought in Anthrax. He brought in Buckethead from Guns N' Roses. Um, and of what, sitting around a dog show eating chicken in a chicken coop. Wasn't that the story? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah, we did the Chinese Democracy <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, episode actually. That was good. And uh, he brought in Joe Satriani as well. Well, no, it wasn't Joe Satriani. It was Steve Voy. Hang on, I'll tell you now exactly. I always get all them guitarists mixed up. Same Steve Voy, thing. Satriani, and the other one. Is the Steve guy the guy the guy with the really long hair? The really I think they long all have long hair. All... Uh, Satriani's yeah, bald is, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was... I wrote it down, really and I, ca- I can't fucking when we, find when it. When we Malmsteen, I always mixed it all. Even he's the completely different name. I mixed them all up all the time. Yeah, solo guitar. I never want to listen to a solo guitarist ever. Ever. I don't understand. I have um. I have like oh. Surfing with the Alien and stuff like that. I have a couple of like the bigger albums. I wrote it down, lads, and I can't see it on this page. It doesn't matter. It's one of them, lads. <laughs> I'm going to say that it's Steve Voy. Right. I'm going to call okay. it, right? All and right. Uh, he basically just let them loose for a day or two in the studio. It was like, here's me, me fucking wow, wow, thing that John Carpenter was wow, 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 right? And they were like, all wow. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they come in, they're like, wow, wow. And he said, that's fucking unreal. Keep going. And eventually just ends up with these like four minute pieces that are just. They're fucking mental. It's an absolutely batshit mad soundtrack. And people were giving out when the movie came out because basically for the entire film, there's just this. Throughout the whole film. That's that's distracting for our movie. Yeah. Like none of the cues, like the actual movie cues hit. With the music, because it's just this constant. But when you listen to them on the road, it constantly right, like, sounds like there's a wrestler about to come. That's out. exactly it's just the <laughs> rock is coming <laughs> out or something. Yeah. So it's um what what happened was um loads of the kind of incidental background music that was Carpenter's just synthy stuff was never included on the soundtrack and it's still not available to this day. Um, so some people tried to kind of strip it out with a movie because it's, it's obviously like completists that want to have that stuff. Sean Carpenter mm-hmm. fanatics. That is it available or is it on a cutting room floor in no, the bin? No, it's just somewhere in the bin, yeah. Right. He okay. probably, he more than likely has a, has, has he something. He is an he amazing archivist. Like, he yeah, is an amazing archivist. I'd so say he has it somewhere, but it's never been released. Have you by the CD? If, if he found out someone wanted, he'd probably be like, no. Yeah. I'd say okay, he put it out. He's a pig. Thanks, John. He'd do Thanks, the thing man. he started no. doing a couple of years ago where he gets like a son's band. And just starts re-recording yeah. everything again, you know. So m- maybe, but I mean, again, yeah, most maybe. of this stuff's going to be kind of pad synth kind of malarkey. Right. So the 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 this soundtrack that was released is literally like sixteen songs of John Carpenter has no right to be that good at two things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's shocking. I also feel they shot they shot the movie. This is fucked up. They shot the movie in um like a gypsum mine in in New Mexico. Because right. it was like it looked apart. It looked Can you like, mind Jip? Yeah, yeah. It takes a while, but yeah, you have to let it dry and crumble. Stop. <laughs> Mine was bad. I shouldn't have set you off. Oh, but fuck. 
apparently what they had to do to make it look like Mars because like CG was there but it wasn't great and they couldn't really fix it they tried to do it in like in the in Foley and Post afterwards it mm. didn't work so they went out and they just bought hundreds of thousands of litres of red food dye and they just poured it all over the sands in this quarry right. to make it look like Mars so when they're they're like walking around in the sand in the movie it's just them crunching away on fucking crunching droids. away on, yeah. red on red red food dye sand like it's fucking insane yeah. but I, I love this soundtrack but this movie came out like I said I was waiting on this uh, it's kind of one of the first of a new batch of, of movies that I was dying for 2001 this came out didn't do well I think it only made back half of its budget and yeah. Carpenter fucked off for like nearly 10 years he didn't do anything I think what was the last, the next thing you done? The wake or something like that? What was it called? Mm, yeah, uh, it's 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 my least favorite. I have to. Yeah, say. it's garbage. Like I love yeah, it, it's but it's favorite. absolute garbage. I, I, <laughs> I, the baddies in it are like the kind of generic sci-fi baddies that are in, like Firefly and millions of other sci-fi things. It's like, or they've gone mad and they're sticking fucking nails on their nails and sharpening their teeth and whatever. You know, generic kind of space savages you know what i mean there's tales mm. of movies of them in it and it's not done well it looks cheap or whatever but like i said at the time it was john carpenter it was yeah. ice cube and it was yeah. anthrax and i was um, all in i had a big it doesn't it really matter whether what they did you were gonna love that anyway You're it could right. have been just them sitting there <laughs> and i'd be fucking oh more watch that dvd again. that is some trifecta though really it's like <laughs> it's, you know, it's the holy grail <laughs> and i don't think it's happened since so I was we have mad. stuff like we had stuff like the Judgment Night soundtrack, which had rap meets rock, and yeah. you had that. On, you had that. The nearest you got to with horror was Spawn. Yeah, that's not really horror. Yeah. No, yeah, it's more sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, it's, more sci-fi. That's, yeah, it's yeah. catchy or superhero sci-fi kind of thing. So yeah. this was the first time you mix horror into that as well. Yeah. It is, like you said, a, yeah. a massive. It's, it's yeah. interesting when genre meets genre, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, event horizon singles. And, uh, yeah, met, you know, romance yeah. meets grunge. Yeah, the grunge, exactly. uh, grunge, yeah. grunge the, yeah. the movie. And, yeah, and you've got all the little baby grungers going around the place. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of those kind of sci-fi horror movies that I liked. Um, a bunch of those um, that mm. I was mad into, and even like the Event Horizon. Event Horizon, yes, yeah. yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Like there's so a bunch perfect. of those. Obviously, the um, there's a bunch of video games like that, and Carpenter went up, made video games himself. Um, He's mad into video games. He's crazy. Into <laughs> yeah, them, yeah, he made that. Uh, what's that first person shooting game? Was it Black or something like that? Was called? Was it Black? He made, he made two or three of those. Black. Huh? black is a great. I don't think he made Black. Yeah, he, he had some game that was. Yeah, I think I might have been Black. I got. I'll check it now in a minute. Uh, there was mm. a video game that he made. He, he scripted and um, hired all the actors and was involved. Maybe in the, Black the, is a good game. I think it was Black. I'll check now. I could, could be absolutely wrong. Um, but anyway, that's a uh, Fight Train by John Carpenter from 2001 off the Ghost of Mars soundtrack. And uh, the Ghost of Mars soundtrack is better than the actual movie, but it's still <laughs> shy. It's still shy. <laughs> it sounds like they're all just in jam session riff. That's mode, all it is. It? Literally, they oh, went like, in like John Carpenter, like the thing and all. Oh my God. So they're pulling the yeah. bellies out themselves with the guitars out. And just whatever they made, <laughs> it's like, there's your soundtrack. Have it. You know, that's what it sounded like to me. Boy, yeah. fucking mad into it. Uh, who's next? Sarah, you're next. Is it me? Right. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of the songs that I got in trouble for including. Um, really? On this, yeah. On this podcast today. Um, my husband, who's a bit of an arsehole muso, he turned around <laughs> and said, can't believe you're putting that song in there. That's not a proper song. Lads are going to be all laughing at you. And I was like, no, well. You, yeah. The way you hear what's coming after you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, my next pick is Herbert Reginald Chappelle's The Gunk. And the, they, and the gunk and the gunk is that 
famous, beautiful scene at the very end of the 1978 George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. When they're all, uh, all the zombies have taken over the mall and you see them um, slipping on the ice skating floor and you see them shopping with their trolleys and... I just absolutely love this song. And I think it's such an important song. I mean, George Romero was a visionary. He was a god, especially to me. And the juxtaposition of this absolutely ridiculous song in relation to what ultimately is a really cynical um, commentary on consumerism, on modernism, on just really the, the state of, of mankind uh, as we came into a very, very um, corporate and a very commercial period within American history. Um, and you just see this like, re- like it's just the perfect counterbalance just for how ridiculous humanity yeah. actually is as we go along with our shopping carts, filling it mindlessly full of shit. Delicious um, shit. Delicious shit and cool shit, no <laughs> doubt, but still shit, yeah. right? Um, so it's, it's a brilliant song, but... Um, it was it was actually composed in 1965 and it went into one of those stock libraries that, you know, right, like, yeah. so, for example, like um, the only other kind of really famous example I know of this is Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the mm. TV show. That's right. The, yeah. reason, the reason they use that music at the start is mm. not for any clever meta. It was free. Uh, inter- yeah. It's because it was free. Yeah. And uh, George <laughs> Romero did used to release see- them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And George Romero, um, he used that song because it fit the kind of the serendipitous kind of feel he wanted to the end to end the film. Mm. But it was also free. Yeah. Um, so that's why we ended up with the gunk. The so, gunk. It, it, yeah, it's actually a brilliant, a brilliant soundtrack. Um, Dawn of the Dead. Most of it is done by an Italian band, a punk band called Goblin. And they're mm. actually credited on the... Um, Credited on the um, on the film as Goblins, oh, they're actually Goblins, go- that's right. Goblin. Yeah, yeah, they're actually Goblin. They're an Italian punk band, yeah. oh, right. and they supply most of the music. But he Daddy. went with the gunk, which the gunk and the gunk and Reginald, um, and George, uh, uh, Reginald Chappelle. Actually, he did this. The other piece of knowledge I know about him is he actually composed the songs of praise. <laughs> Really? Um, no way. Yeah, music. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. That's actually a banger, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> In its own weird way, like the Antiques yeah. Roadshow. That's a banger. Yeah. The songs of praise, yeah, he he composed that piece of music as well. So it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant song, like, and it's it's also been used for um ch- uh, robot chicken as well. Oh, oh, yeah. You know that cartoon robot yeah. chicken. I think and that's then, what, yeah. When, yeah. Like, when you put it put it on the list in the bed, I was like, that. yeah. And Kid Koala did a um a remix of it for Shaun of the Dead. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, so it's it's been it's just it's one of those kind of like um eponymous pieces of yeah. music that you always associate with the zombies yeah. as they fall down. But I mean, look, Dawn of the Dead. Talk about hallowed ground. Yeah, yeah. The zombie fans, wow, fucking love Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. I was actually at a horror quiz in fibers of all places and uh i think we came like fourth and i was definitely a wheel on that team like a bad wheel i was like uh, <laughs> well i was still thinking they were like yeah got it got it got it, got it. <laughs> and then right at the end of the quiz they, they announced who won it and they went uh, sorry to have to tell you this but george romero just died we were all like <gasps> that's not even funny man yeah. it's like that's uh... a shit way to end your fucking quiz it's not funny like no seriously he's like 
whoa. Yeah. Everyone was just like we're talking the biggest horror fans, not the biggest horror fans, the, the biggest horror fans that found out about the quiz and had the night off. <laughs> the the quiz, small pool. It's a sm- it's a smaller pool than yeah, but they're all yeah. just like silence and like yeah. everyone. I don't know what to say after that. Like, yeah. so yeah, that was nuts. That was actually nuts. That was, it that is. was, yeah. Cause he was one of the good guys. Mm, like he, yeah. he was one of the little guys. He was one of the good guys. He was an advocate all his life for indie films. He was mm. an advocate all the time against sticking it to the man. And I mean, even in any interviews where ever hear him speak, he still speaks like a beatnik poet, like he calls everyone cats and, you know, like those crazy cats and he refer to other yeah. filmmakers. And I love when people was, say that. Yeah, he was a beatnik and he was mm, a true yeah. beatnik spirit. And all of his films are very much kind of wrapped up in... A, a countercultural movement that really had its, mm. its birth in the 60s and you, in, in a very, very riotous time in the 1960s. Yeah. And you can, no matter, a lot of people give out about his later films. I love them. I mean, I, I some more than others. But yeah, I only was, watched Land of the Dead there a couple of weeks ago. There was, right. I remember, I remember people were just waiting to beat his films up when they were coming yeah. out. They were just waiting. They were going, it's going to be shit. I'm like, mm. but at the end of the day, like, just because it never progressed off what it was. Mm-hmm. We listen to think, some ba- some bands we love do that all the time. We're like, oh, it's another ba- another banger from that band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People people need to go back and and give and give a lot of his films a break. Like I I went back and I rewatched Diary of the Dead there recently, and you know what? In in on a second or third watching, it actually stands up. It's actually a good mm. little film. It's mm. a good strong little film, and it's a great commentary about the kind of like. The, the you know very much it, 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 it's a it's a theme that we're talking about now where we have the phone permanently attached to our hand and mm. it's like do we record the the person beating the shit out of someone else or do we put the phone down and step in yeah and it's a commentary very much on that now it's look it's he's not the first one to talk about it. he wasn't the last one to talk about it, but he stayed relevant mm. in every period. And I think that's, you can't say that about many directors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he stayed, he had yeah. something to say in every era. I um, think horror has been a way to do that a lot. I mean, like, I know we talk about it a lot, but Get Out was that like attack on the neoliberals, not attack on them, but just a, a magnifying glass on neoliberals. Like, look, these are weird fuckers. And, uh, we're putting you in a horror film and we're mm. making you the fucking weird fuckers. That's yeah. incredible. So yeah, if, social commentary and stuff like that yeah. um, has always been a thing in horror well, you movies. Should, you should, I don't uh, always you, get it. If you want to be, if you want to beat up the liberals and the moderates and the, and the people thinking we're all great, you should, there's a film that I would definitely recommend to your listeners, uh, Craig Zobel's The Hunt. Um, it it's was, really yeah, it's, it's tough to get. Um, I think it's on Hulu at the moment right. um, or else you can uh, get rented off of, like YouTube for 3 99 or something like yeah, that. Cool. Something like that. But oh, it, the hunt. Um, that's yeah. where, the blondie one. Yeah. From, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a great film. Yeah. Ah, you have me on the spot She now was well. in Glow. Yes, yes. That, that's a great fucking movie. It's was she uh, the American? The American? Yeah. She's like a su- southern fucking yeah. belle. Yeah. Fucking I yeah. like her a lot. Yeah. I like her a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's what it's a really interesting doing is it's taking the piss out of 
everybody yeah it's in brilliant this film. Yeah. and it's yeah. it's pitting it's pitting stereotypes against yeah. stereotypes and oh, one, women's of, that. one of like the best vegans scenes. with sniper rifles hunting people yes. and that's fucking <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. brilliant and one of the best scenes in that is the kind of the you know without giving anything away is you've got you've got the token redneck trump supporting um you know uh republican you know asshole walks into the room and she's pitted against the refined blue blood um liberal and she's talking about how to cut the perfect tomato. And there's this mm. great interplay between them. But basically the redneck, alleged redneck, liberal or redneck Republican, there's classical music playing and she she puts her gun down on the table and says, are we going to listen to Beethoven all day or are we going to fucking do this? <laughs> and it's a great commentary. You know, yeah. it's 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 a basically saying, you know, like, will you stop judging people and putting people into boxes? Because yeah. that's actually not how humanity works. Yeah. And yeah. what all it's doing is driving the extremists further and further apart yeah. and giving them more. It more does, money. unfortunately. Yeah, like it's it's hard for it's hard to not get angry. And when you do, it does push you lower. Like, yeah, I probably could have done that better, but I'm fucking lazy and I'm on the internet and I've got a few seconds to well, say Well, that's that's the problem, <laughs> is it's that it's easier, it's easier to put labels, it's easier to, you know, mm. it's no what that, that famous Noam Quant, uh, Chomsky quote where no one looks in the mirror and sees a monster. Mm. You know, everybody yeah, thinks cool. they're, you know, even like those London bombers, those whatever dickhead you want to call. No one looks, everyone thinks they've got a reason to be doing something. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's kind of what horror does. Horror explores the monster and breaks it down and says, you know what? Ah, there might be a rationale here. You might not like it, but it's there. Mm. And I don't why not want to think about it, but yeah. No, because it makes your brain hurt. It makes it your, brain hurt. your brain hurt. And it makes me think I'm <laughs> to go back and think about the times i was wrong yeah mm. so um ew don't do that <laughs> yeah so that you was the book. i'm up i'm up I next so. yeah yeah i'm up with an absolute you know now you know what i listened to this uh, earlier when I, ta- when I thought about making this list i want to incorporate my favorite horror films and my favorite horror themes like i said in married them and some horror films have some of my favorite horror themes but maniac cops who doesn't <laughs> but i'm still picking it <laughs> yeah it really fucking doesn't. It has the Maniac Cop rap. Now, this is... this. Before I talk about the song, the movie Maniac Cop 2 is the best Maniac Cop. I'm not hearing any, any other way about it. <laughs> One and two are phenomenal. Three. Yep. Three's a bit messy. Um, and they are... Well, I'll get into what they're doing with that later. But um, it's a Larry Larry Cohen movie, and he's just phenomenal. And um, Robert Sarr, who died... Geez, he must be, he's probably 10 years ago now, Robert Sarr died. Mm. Uh, ret- returning as... Matthew Cordell, I think, is an undead police officer who is a serial killer because he was murdered. Don't need any more reason no, than that. That's enough to run out and watch this, yeah. really, isn't he's, it? He's Jason with a badge. Yeah, that's what he is. He's and a jaw. And, and a, <laughs> Robert, that's a real jaw. It's How an amazing sweet. jaw. That's Robert Zar's actual jaw. Like, mm-hmm. if you see pictures of him, you're like, just fucking Rocky you Dennis, think it's man. It's prosthetic, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. And seriously, it's expect Cher to be standing beside him, going, "It's okay, Rocky. You're gonna be okay." <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's the song is so ropey that I had to add it. This is just like it's an it's another Adams Family groove. It's another Vanilla Ice's uh, ninja rap. It's it's a fucking bat dance. It's uh, the Bartman. It's just one of those songs that a rap song in a movie that doesn't quite fit it really well. Like, although the bat dance was pretty good song in fairness to Prince, it doesn't fit. So rap doesn't fit some genres and horror. It certainly doesn't. It didn't, no. it, it didn't in Adam's family, but this is the first of, it's actually could be an example of horror core 
which is horror theme rap. It's one of the first ones. So it's the music by Jay Chataway and Peter Levin who did the the, the overall uh, score, as far as I know. Lyrics by Wayne Lammers, but it's performed by two people I've never heard of and probably were never really heard of again because it was mainly a cop too. It wasn't the Adams Family. They couldn't afford fucking MC Hammer. Or as I found out, Michael Jackson, who did the second song that was taken mm-hmm. off it. I only found out today. Actually, I was looking at Adam Family stuff. I was like, Michael Jackson did the song for the second one, but it was taken really? off. And there's a demo yeah. over here. And it's, it's, again, it wouldn't have worked. I'm glad it didn't happen. It wouldn't work. <laughs> but um, actually, if you'd have heard it. the MC song or uh, MC Hammer song in context, you would have said the same uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I actually do like that song in, in its own way. But yeah, it's, it's by Yeshua Barnes and Brian B. Dubs Woods. It sounds like Kid and Play doing a Halloween song. It's fucking shocking. Like, it really, really is. And the lyrics are just like, there's a maniac cop coming to your town. You better watch yourself around. And it's just have a listen to it if you want. You won't make it the whole way through. But the reason I picked it is because I love Maniac Cop so much. I wanted to talk about Maniac Cop. And I don't know. Another chance I'll get to talk about Maniac Cop. On it's probably podcast. not going to happen again. Let's be honest. So, so I was like, here, I just want to talk. Now we can look back to talk about the movie. This is a terrible song. And it's a great example of. It's actually the most extreme example of a rap song being wedged into a film because Turtles, Batman, mm. yeah. allow it because they're kids stuff and the rap was cool at the time, early nineties. Um, but but everyone everyone was at rap, you know, who shouldn't have been. Everyone, oh, yeah. yeah. Did everyone. the Carpenters get into weird weird rap as well? The Carpenters, I don't know. We have we have we have we've been working on a podcast for a while called inexplicable rap bits in songs where like yeah blondie, like blondie, should blondie not have did gone one there. Yeah, what the yeah. fuck with that that's gonna be ah, on the list 100 yeah. percent. yeah 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 but um in 2019 that's last year that's last year it feels um, like 500 years ago we, yeah it was we got the, the good news could be good news that maniac cop is coming the tv series is coming to hbo um produced HBO by hbo yeah that's ridiculous Produced by Nicholas Winding Refn, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who did Drive and who did um, all those movies, that Neon Demon and all that, that are literally just visual movies. Yeah. Yeah. I love those kind of films and I love um, Panos. The guy that did Mandy and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I know his name. It's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. Panos, it's Greek. Panos, obviously, it's Greek. His first name is Panos, but it's a Greek name. Oh, is it Paul? Really? I, I, I wouldn't think starting with Panos would have got that. Yeah, Panos but it's, it's um, Cosmetos. Cosmetos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those films, I know, like Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, are literally just, people go to me, how can you watch those films? They're just visual. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and or they just have a feel and they're eerie and they put visuals up and it's just to make you feel a certain way, but there's no real plot and the acting's not good. I'm like They're an assault on the set. Yeah, I love that. They maybe they are just hour and a half long music videos. Purple and pink attacks is what they are. Exactly. I don't care. And that's why it makes so much sense that he's gonna be producing it. Because yeah. Maniac Cop really is the second one is more just visual than it was. The first one had all the eerie kind of weird stuff. It's one of those classic examples of sequels being completely more orientated towards action, like Rambo 2, Aliens. Mm. Um, Terminator. Terminator, exactly, Terminator yeah. Two. Yeah. 
they've they lose something that the first one had, but they go all. But they gain something. They, they gain something. Yeah, out. yeah, absolutely. But that's Maniac Cop too. It did lose some of the. When you don't have enough money, you have to do the Wrap thing that's cheaper. Yeah, eeriness. So that's why the first ones are always the cheaper movies are always the one that rely on that creepy eeriness, and they can get it right and get the tone right. Second one with a bit of budget, they get a bit. You know, they get a they bit of bit fl- like, lock with the yeah, whole they, show. Like, they you know. do, yeah. So yeah. that's that's my that's my pick there. Maniac Cop too. Yeah. I absolutely have no time for that song, but I had to stick it in. Just for I had to go on. I was listening to it yeah. earlier. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, and it makes I, no sense because Maniac Cop's quite a serious movie. This yeah. Maniac Cop two is the more popcorny one of them. Uh, we don't. Talk they are quite this. dark. The first yeah, one really especially. Dark. They're they're yeah, quite absolutely. dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the, the first one really makes you want to care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I guess. Years since I saw those movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're definitely. So, you know what? And and they, like, I mean, do they age? Of course, they age to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. But the, but but in within the context of that eighty genre, mm. they're still very much important pieces of canonical text from that deck from that era. From that. Yeah, era. and it's 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 like I think it's considered one of the last real New York grindhouse. Yeah. Movies. Very much so. Like that. And uh, like Larry Cohen is, is absolutely fantastic. He really is. I yeah. just love that. I think even when he's not trying to be a little bit silly, sometimes it comes through. Sometimes it comes through. Yeah. yeah. Course, well, you got through. you got Larry. Then you know Larry Cohen went on to do the stuff as well. Yeah. And I mean that's that's a ridiculous film, but at the same time, like Larry Cohen is one of those people. There's a line in the stuff that no one is as dumb as they think. I, no one. What's that famous line in the stuff? No one is as dumb as I look. Or something like that. And yeah. I think it's a brilliant or so, no one is as dumb as I appear to be. Uh, and it's a yeah. brilliant line because that kind of it's a summation of what Larry <laughs> Cohn does is that he puts out an awful lot of films that on surface you think you completely throw away and you discard and you, yeah. and you and you don't give him much credit for. It. But actually, if you probe his films, they're crazy intelligent films and they're yeah. all really important social commentaries about the state of affairs. Yeah. Um, you know, Maniac Cop was there. No, no, no. We're yeah. having a conversation about Maniac Cops, yeah. you know, know yeah. and we're yeah. still having conversations to this day about Maniac yeah. Cops and the motivations for why people do the way. The You're making me do. think about these films more. Yeah. Well, that's why you have like me that. here. I know it's great. Like it was speaking of Maniac Cops, there yeah. was there was a video today of uh, that fucking protest through town. Apparently, they, they finished oh, up the mutants. They had a rat liquor fucking protest. Yeah, so they they um. <laughs> They, they stopped on Henry Street or something like that, and the cops came out. The cops start battering them. The really? Yeah, yeah. Cops oh, are throwing them into walls things. and everything. It's not going to help and things it, at all. But again, this is people filming thing. from below. This is this thing of polarizing. Then you know everyone. Yeah. And you're just making driving people to be more yeah. extreme. And That's those all. fuckers, those fuckers on the street, is the reason why the three of us are sat here with no jobs right now. They are, uh, and I'm going to enjoy that I mean? video. But I know it's not going to help. Yeah, but, but it's, swear it's to God, go- I'm going to enjoy that video. It's going to mobilize. It's going to mobilize people it who does. are on the fence about yeah. things. So 100%, I mean, yeah. just just all I we do, need yeah. right now is calm. Just stay at yeah. home. Watch 80s horror yeah. films, cut the fuck on, and let's try and get on with our lives. Yeah. And like, it's the people that you're getting through to were so easily swayed in the first place, they'll be probably easily swayed back on side again. So, like you said, pushing them and hitting them and stuff, that's tapping into something that you can't really get back from them anymore. No. They might wear that forever then. Mm. But yeah. uh, like, if they're getting news from a fucking WhatsApp group for their bakery group what like a whatsapp thing then and they're sh- sure of this 
then I'm pretty sure their mind can be turned back to non-mutant ways. Yeah. Like of you're 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 giving a lot of credit to the mutants. Um, yeah. You obviously uh, yeah. haven't seen as much horror as I have. <laughs> like the, 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 helmet, the mutants won. Yeah. <laughs> the mutants won. Yeah. yeah. So that's um that's maniac cop anyway. I think Gary, you, you're are you you're about your yeah, I got a ne- uh, I've got a next one. I've got um, a next one. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I tell you what, I need to get you know my new chair that keeps falling apart. My new chair is falling. Apart. I need to get cushion from the neater lads. The old the old arse is in fucking rough shape at the moment ah, from this God. chair. I need to get one of them uh, arsopedic fucking pillows or something for it. <laughs> um, so what did I pick? I picked uh, Candyman. Yeah, I fucking love Candyman. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I fucking love Candyman. And I picked the piece, uh, All Falls Apart. So uh, it was Philip Glass who composed the music for Candyman. Now, Philip Glass is fucking ancient. I don't know, he was mm-hmm. this old. He's born in 1937, lads. 1937. Wow. Um, in Baltimore in the States. He's, he seems to be more of a classical composer than, yeah. than a scorer from movies. He's, but he's done a lot of movies as well. Um he started off doing stuff like Hamburger Hill and The Tin Blue Line. He started off doing kind of war movies, was more his kind of jam. But he's he's done a couple of other things. He's done, um, I've got a list of his movies here that were interesting, TV shows that he's done. So obviously Candyman is kind of the one he's known for. So he done, he gave an interview a couple of years ago saying that like Candyman, he done the music for one and two. And um, he said that like he still gets checks. Like Candyman is still kind of underground and popular enough that he still gets checks, but he doesn't mm-hmm. get checks from the other stuff. But he's done uh, music for Stoker. He's done some music for uh, Battlestar Galactica, the remake. He's I done. I didn't know how I feel about Stoker. Yeah, I don't know. One of my favorite directors of all time. And whenever yeah. they make that crossover into America, I'm like, yeah, careful oh. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He done. Uh, he done some music has for. Has to lose. Yeah, sorry. Person, person of interest with Jim Cavizio. Done some of that. Uh, Night Stalker, Kundun. He had. He, he was actually in the Truman Show. The guy playing the piano in the Truman Show was him. You should get he, a little fucking achievement unlocked for pronouncing that lad's name right. What? Jim Cavizio. Fuck. What? It's Ding. literally how it's spelled. Like, Is it? Yeah. How about it was like Jim Cavill? Jim Calzone. That's what I started calling him because I was just fucking. I couldn't figure out his name. I like him. I like him. I only um, saw him in the Jesus film where he gets better. He's good in the Jesus film, hours. and he's in um, Outlander, where he, it's like ah. he's in Outlander. Oh, yeah. I fucking love Outlander. Yeah, it's um, very cool. <coughs> that's it's just like a weird sci-fi version of uh, Beowulf. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he done the hours as well. He's done. Fu- Listen, the list of awards that he's won is outrageous. But he's written mm-hmm. Jesus operas. He's done musical theater. Uh, he's written twelve symphonies, eleven concertos, eight string quartets. And a bajillion scores from music and TV. And that was just since the lockdown. That's literally yes. just eight months ago. <laughs> uh, he's 83 now. I think he's still doing bits and bobs. I doubt he's as active, but uh, he's, mm. he actually looks pretty good for an 83 year old as well. He looks like he's in good nick. Um, <clears throat> so, 1992, Sandman comes out, written and directed by Bernard Rose. Who, Sandman. Sandman, did I say Sandman? That's because I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say just before, before I'm reading the Sandman Gar comics says, at the moment. It's in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's in your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Candyman. Opposite. Candy's delicious. Sand tastes like shit. Yeah. Especially Candyman. Yeah. Candles was in your other uh, your other film. It was, mm. yes. Yeah, Candy. Let's say that's where I got mixed up there. Um so Candyman, nineteen ninety-two, supernatural slasher, blah 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 blah. Uh, directed by Bernard Rose, who um to bring it back to music, directed the music videos for Small Town Boy for Bronsky B. He directed the videos for Relax and Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. 
Um, he done one of Helmet's best out films. He done Immortal Beloved. Yeah, that's him. Good film. Yeah, he done the 2000- Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. He told oh, him, Beethoven did the soundtrack to that. Apparently, he's that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, he also directed the 2015 version of Frankenstein, and he done the 2010 movie version of Howard Marks' Mister Nice. Um, so I've seen a couple of things he's done, but Candyman will be the main one um, mm. in terms of the direction. I've obviously seen his music videos. Growing up in my fucking house, I had to listen to Frankie Goes to Hollywood every day. But um, oh, relax. Uh, ah, relax, really. Jesus, you're coming out all guns blazing tonight. So, uh, apparently, Candyman. I didn't know. I didn't know this till today. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman is based on a Clive Barker story called mm-hmm. The Forbidden. I didn't know that. I hadn't a yeah. clue. And apparently, it came about because uh, Bernard Rose bumped into Clive Barker, who just finished making Nightbreed at some convention oh, or something like that. Love One Nightbreed. of my favourite films. As That's long amazing. as you watch the director's cut. It has to be the director's cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah every s- time. Yeah. Do, do you mean the, the one that was on in the cinema? No. So the director's yeah. cut, it's it's only, I think it came out in 2014. Yeah, it was way the, later. Way later, yeah. So with it's, the, it's, with it's, the additional I, bits in it. Yeah, right? so there's two director's cuts. There's the director's cut and then there's the cabal cut. Yeah. Um, I saw the cabal cut. Yeah. 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 No, absolute, absolute yeah. kind of rabbit hole. Sorry, go, yeah, 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 right. I, I could talk about Nightbreed. I could talk about Nightbreed. <laughs> I love the, it. The novel, the comic book, the movie, or yeah. the video game all day. That video yeah. game, I was obsessed I wanna, I, with it. I want to, right now, Midian looks pretty good. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I want to exactly. yeah. be down there. <laughs> yeah, I saw the Cabal Cut in, in the Horathon. I think it was Horathon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's hard to, to to take away from when they come in with the, the footage that didn't make it very yeah. well. Like, yeah. <gasps> Yeah. yeah, don't even need yeah. that scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Grand, Just grand. Once you mentioned Nightbreed, we all went. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so apparently, he met Clive Barker at a at a convention or something like that, and they got talking about uh, how was the experience of making the movie <clears throat> and all this kind of shit. And uh, Rose turned around to Barker and said, "Like, I really like that story you wrote, The Forbidden. Is there any chance mm-hmm. like you'd sell me the rights to it to have a shot at it?" And Barker's like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, because at, at one stage, <clears throat> at one stage, Clive Barker was kind of gunning for Stephen King's spot to have everything made you know whether it was going to be video games comic books like Dark Horse comic books in the early 90s went on an absolute mad one buying the rights to Clive Barker novels and turning them into comic books like they went mad for it and that introduced so many people um, of my generation um, to uh, to his novels to go out and actually buy them and read them kind of unedited and unfucked with Uh, they made two Sequels to Candyman, they made Farewell to the Flesh and Day of the Dead. If I remember correctly, Farewell to the Flesh is okay and Day of the Dead is garbage. If I remember correctly. Yeah, that's pretty right. Pretty right. Pretty I think right, that's yeah. about right, yeah. Um, yeah. The second one, Farewell to the Flesh, was directed by Bill Condon. He's done Chicago, Twilight. He's done Ghosts of Monsters. He's done a bunch of shit. And we've got a new one coming out. Jordan Peele has a new one coming out soon enough, which is supposed to be um, a direct sequel to the first one. So apparently in the novel, Candyman is set in Liverpool. Yeah. And it's much more contextualized with yeah. class. Thing, yeah. It's supposed to be a whole big class kind of yeah. element to it. So when, when Rose was making the movie, he said he's going to move it to like kind of a, a shitty area in Chicago and make it about that. And uh, so apparently what this is about, what uh, Jordan Peele's new one is going to be almost a direct sequel to the first one where it's set in the exact same area in Chicago, but it's being kind of gentrified. But the legend of Candyman still kind of lives on. Um. Imagine Candy- we picked a white candy man. I know, but that's that's a big deal as well because it was, it was uh, <laughs> pointless and weird. Um, go, go back to Romero. Candyman is played by uh, Tony Todd, 
who had the lead in Tom Savini's remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead. In, mm-hmm. was that the colored was version. It? The colored yeah. version. I fucking love. Version. I yeah. love the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Um, I seen it when I was about, Jesus, about fifteen. I seen it on the like, Channel Four one night, and I was because I'd seen Night of the Living Dead on telly because it was one of those things that like, RTA or UTV, if they had a hole in their fucking their television schedule on a Wednesday at eleven o'clock, like this is free. No one knows yeah. who owns it. Broadcast that, like, but yeah, he never made a penny. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was reading about how they made it. It's absolutely insane. Where insane? The you know more about it than me, Sarah. What what I read today was that he never made money off Night of the Living Dead, and then no. he sold or he went into partnership with someone who was going to like repackage it and kind of redo the copyright stuff in it. So he'd eventually he'd finally make some money off it. And when all that was done, that company folded and mm-hmm. he was left with nothing. And yeah. then he, he went in, he struck a deal with some other company and the company took Tom Savini, the makeup artist he wanted to do, wanted to direct it, brought him in. And then eventually when it was all made, he was given out saying that like, he, he, the movie studio wanted it to be super gory, but Savini mm-hmm. and Romero were like, no, we have to keep it kind of in yeah. keeping with the original one we want that like lull of horror the the, the threat of horror as opposed to the mm-hmm. gore, the and, gore um, yeah. yeah apparently Savini had all these cool ideas about how to do stuff without making it mad gory and they wouldn't let him they, he said something like 30 or 40 percent of the stuff he wanted to do in the movie that's all that's all that made it in loads of it was cool yeah. loads of it wasn't allowed in but like poor El Romero never made a penny off like his biggest fucking marquee title you know so yeah, apparently absolutely. this was an idea to try and like if we can redo this and we can redo this and uh like Romero's name is going to be attached with Savini's already a big name in the kind of movie world for makeup yeah. and stuff like that as well so maybe this will bring it back up but I don't think I don't know how much money it made for either party in the end I don't, I don't think it was a flop but it was just one of those things just... it, it, sir, it, it was confusing yeah. I think people were quite confused about it. it was kind of like the whole you know second evil dead thing yeah no one quite understood what the point of this was outside the context of the the really you know, obviously financial rationale that you've just given there, Gar. I don't think people quite understood what they were doing with it. If it had been directed by somebody in isolation from Romero or Savini, maybe they would have understood. Yeah. But it was just kind of like people were confused by, but Mm. it's in colour, but Romero's doing it again and Savini's, I don't really understand what's going on. And And it was nearly shot for shot as well, if I remember correctly. It was nearly shot for shot, yeah. Yeah. And it it just, I think a lot of people were just confused by it really. Yeah. So it was like a, fa- um, a fan fiction version of Night of the Living Dead. Like. Yeah, it was like a slash thing yeah, almost. Like, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Very much so, yeah. so anyway, that's it. This piece of music is my favourite piece that I picked tonight anyway. Um, All Falls Apart. It's, it's horrifically haunting. Like it's fucking it is, brilliant. Yeah. It's, 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 it's actually terrifying. There's not, that, there's not that much music on this playlist that's terrifying. This yeah. is, this is fucking scary. Like Ave Satini and all, not really like, it's just a lad shouting. I don't know. I think that's creepy. As well. I, listen, if I heard it in the fucking dark, you know what I mean? If I woke up and it was playing, yeah. that'd be different. You know what I mean? I should have said before you move off as well, Clive Barker did People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. And that has a rap song at the end of it. So technically, oh, that's Oh, Jesus, you and your rap. Will <laughs> yeah. you stop tarnishing all these films for me? With this I'll remind rap. you of all the terrible fucking... No! Although, yeah. People Under the Stairs is one of my favourite films of all time. Oh, I love People Under the Stairs. Beautiful film. Yeah. I love just it. love it. And I yeah. love how well every single person is acting in that movie mm-hmm. out of their skin. Out of their skin. Like. And it's anyway, also the, that, was, yeah. uh, that was All Falls Apart by Philip Glass, who apparently is actually related to Al Jolson. He's remotely related to Al Jolson, which is fucking mad as well. Um, 
it's uh, there's a bunch of stuff there about his ma. I'm not going to talk about that. No, we have. We're looking at, I'm looking at the time going. Yeah, exactly. Talk about Maz now. No. Who's next? Sarah's next. Clara, yeah. Yeah. Well, what am I doing? I'm doing it. Happy, 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 happy Halloween. It's season of the witch Halloween. Yes, lovely. (laughs) I love that film so much. I love this film, and I'm looking at the theme song for that um, for Halloween three season of the witch, um, which is done by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. I think it's pronounced how you pronounce his mm. name. And he went on then to do uh, Francis Ford Coppola's. Um, he did the sound design for Francis Ford Coppola. He won an Oscar actually for it. Really? Or the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. And um, he was one of the primary sound designers and soundscape designers for Back to the Future. And um, yeah, he's done loads and loads of stuff. But I think for the music in Halloween through it, it's one of those really divisive Halloween uh, films within the horror genre because people either love yeah. it and hate it and the Halloween purists tend to dislike it. It was confu- talking about confusing. A lot of people were kind of perturbed by the fact that Michael Myers wasn't going to be in it but that's john crazy yeah, yeah yeah but john carpenter said that he never wanted a franchise he wanted yeah. each halloween film to be different and he hated doing halloween 2 he hated it mm. halloween 2 was not a good film and he didn't like doing halloween 2 and he wanted every film every halloween film to be different so john carpenter is very much you know we, we talked about outliers earlier like He's he's a grumpy old fart when it comes to an awful he's lot of the horror. He's a fucker. I love him. Bro. He is. He is because he's kind of like very much like um, George Romero in the sense that he's always been wanting to be part of the the the, the studio scene, but at the same time he's he's continuously shirk. So this push and pull between yeah. him and mainstream cinema all the time, um, and they Halloween was just a runaway success. That they said, right, you know, quick, do another one, quick, 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 quick. Mm. Did it. He didn't like doing it. And then he said, right, I want to do. But Halloween 3 is not directed by John Carpenter. It's produced by himself and his production partner. But it isn't actually written by him. Uh, Or it's done by uh, Tommy Lee Wallace uh, directs. Halloween three and it stars Tom Atkins and it's Tom Atkins of legend horror actor. Yeah, he's he amazing. Is. He's amazing. And it's, it, it's, it's an amazing story about, you know, it's got the shamrock silver shamrock masks. So good. And it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, I just, I absolutely love this film. And I, it's, um, I, yeah. the first time I ever saw that was on channel four when I was really, really young and I'd missed the start of it. So I had no idea what I was watching. Yeah. And afterwards I was talking to people, I was like, There was this mad film on um last night. Did you see it? I I, I don't know what they're like. I explained it like, Oh, Halloween three, like, no, it's not Halloween, it's not mm. Halloween at all. It's not yeah. got Mike Myers, like, no, it's Halloween three. I was like, it is no, it's not, it's not, it's not. I was really young, I was like, they have the badges and insects call out of badges when at the at the time yeah. when the signals played over the TV. It was incredible. They're like yeah, it's called Halloween three. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Halloween three season of the witch. And it's, and again, like I, I know I'm coming in with this bolts of seriousness all the time, but that's good. That's again, what we need. I, I don't know. But like, again, it's, it's, it's a remarkable example of how um, these horror directors are capable 
of of using horror as this superb cultural tool to talk about, you know, issues again, like commodification of certain seasons. So in this, it's very much a commentary on the way in which Halloween has been completely commodified and that it's just all about buying shit, buying shit, buying shit all the time. Um, And that was like 1982. Yeah, they were talking about this sort of stuff like that's, you know, nearly 40 years ago. So, again, a really, really interesting film. And one of those films that if you've seen it in your childhood, I, I, I implore you to go back and rewatch it. I don't know it, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, Gar, it really know. stands up to a watch in 21st century it times. Does. You know, really Tom does. Atkins is kind of like he's just a and it's 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 got this weird sex scene in it and oh, it's so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's good fun. It's Any good jip fun. mining in it now? Jip mining. Yeah, well, yeah because somebody goes mining for jip in it anyway. But um, that's, that's a weird name for sex car. Never, never call it that again. Never like call it that mining again. Mining for Bitcoin, you know, but mining for fucking dirt. All right. Oh God, I'm like, yeah. No, but a lot I, of time for that film. film, and I love, I love when someone says they hate it, and I just go, ah, stinger. Yeah, but you never. don't get it. And 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 yeah. the and the silver shamrock song. I mean, if you watch that, you know, unfortunately, one of the side effects of watching uh halloween three is that in your head that's going to be in your in your head for probably about two weeks yeah yeah so silver shamrock you know and they go happy 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 halloween it's fucking brilliant yeah it is it's subversive and it's really great you know and and there's a plot to kill millions of american children so that's always a bonus Bonus. Sorry to our American listeners there. We're clearly being facetious. There, we're not all, really. all yeah. 60s. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the second biggest, when I, when I see the, the demographic maps, it's the second biggest after uh, Ireland and England. America really? is. Yeah. yeah Canada is up there as well, isn't it? Uh, Canada's like fifth after Australia or something. So well, it's well, all the expats that makes yeah. kind of sense. So far, yeah. every film that we've talked about is American. So. <laughs> uh, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, my yeah. neck, well, no, you're, you're sorry. You're, you're not probably finished, are you? Talking about no, it? yeah, no, go for it. Absolutely. Let's move on. Well, technically, my film is um, American. No, I don't know. It's probably Italian. It's Asperia. It's Italian. Oh, it's Italian. Come it's on. Italian. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Italian. I'm sure it's there's Italian. a few American dollars in there, but this is definitely and, an Italian. And, it's yeah. gallo to its core. Mm. Come on. Yeah. So I picked the Suspiria theme by a band that you mentioned earlier, Goblin. Mm. Uh, who are like a, a punky prog they do everything they do everything they, they can play anything they want they're just you put instruments in their hand and they can play but this particular one is prog prog horror horror prog mm. if i had to keep we are awful fuckers of putting labels on stuff actually you are yeah, just sure. proggy it's pr- progressive stuff and it's definitely from a horror movie and um, they've done an absolutely fantastic this is my favorite song that i've put on the list and it is my favorite horror theme of all time except for maybe killer clowns but Killer Clowns is sort of like a, you know, it's it doesn't put the shits up me. Suspiria does to this. This is thing. your highbrow scare. This is exactly this is my highbrow. This is the one that saves me from putting Maniac Cop and Killer Clowns on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this is no, when you're being. This is when you're feeling fancy. This is exactly this is this is my fancy jacket. Like oh, yeah. Suspiria, yeah, Suspiria um, highbrow horror. <laughs> yeah, they, the Goblin also did a soundtrack for Deep Red. Um, the Goblin are a band with like uh, a revolving door. They've been going since 1972. There's no way they have all the same members. It's just come and go. Whatever we're doing, this we're doing a movie. We're doing um, just our own albums. Suspiria is a classic, and for a film that 
hangs its hat on gore so heavily. There's still a lot going on in, in that film. Um, I think probably for I think it probably turns some people off the amount of gore that's in that. But it's fucking it's Argento. It's, I, I love it. Mm. And there is a yeah. It's another one of those visual movies like. Mm-hmm. That. It's an affront to the senses very much in the yeah, same way you're talking is. about Mandy. And it's it's yeah. very much art house. And a lot of people don't like Suspiria because it's it's not as as, say, accessible a film to view as something like Season of the Witch, you know, Halloween yeah. three or Killer yeah. Clowns. And you, you yeah. when you you, you kind of need to be in the mood to watch Suspiria. You do. And I think so, yeah. some of the some of the bad dubbing and, and some of the I'll say the acting's not phenomenal in it or whatever like mm-hmm. that. It's not supposed to be. That adds to the tension in it and it all makes you feel uncomfortable. Like if that was all acted brilliantly, like I haven't actually seen the remake. I still haven't seen it. I don't know why I still haven't sat down and watched it, but I'd imagine that has much better acting. I don't know how that would affect it and stuff like that. But um, I heard it's fantastic. I heard it's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I will, I will, I will watch Spree, the, the remake. It's crazy that I haven't. But when I watched this for the first time, I honestly, I'm not going to pretend I watched it in the fucking eighties or when I didn't. I watched that, I'd say, about nine years, nine or ten years ago, for the first time ever. When my mates were like, "You haven't seen that?" Like my mate Darren, like, or get like, "You haven't seen that? Yeah, you got to watch that." And he'll give you a copy. Yeah, it's, it's one that. of the ones you have to have in in the yeah. yeah. And the, the so, problem with it is though, is that you're never going to be in the mood to watch the Sphere. You just need to sit down and and yeah. watch it. Yeah, it's weirdly not a Halloweeny movie at all. It's really not. No. It's not. It's, no. it's and not, not it's... one to watch hungover while waiting on the takeaway no. on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> no. because it's 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 one of those films that very much is creep crawls with the t- with terror with kind of like a brimming terror. Um, there's this great expression by my favorite horror um, academic uh, Derrida Varma. He talked about this in the in the in the forties, and he said the difference between terror and horror is horror is it. Um, Terror is the smell of a corpse. Horror is stumbling against one in the dark. Yeah, and that's That's very much kind of what Suspiria is based on. It hops between very kind of cerebral terror and Mm. visceral horror, and that's it. It kind of it it finds an uncomfortable and lives in a very uncomfortable space between those two. But you're right. It 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 is. It's it's a it's it is. I I don't know when you never feel like. Going, oh, this is a great, this is a real look at the sun is shining. It's real Suspiria kind of day. No, it's not. Yeah. It's really, yeah, maybe not. if you're off sick from work, but you're not feeling too bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I know that they played the whole soundtrack and the Profondo Rosso Deep Red soundtrack about five years ago in Dublin. Um, I didn't go to that because we don't, we don't get to go to anything. The three of us don't get to go to anything ever, really. <laughs> like, we're usually working, mm. and the amount of things we miss, like, did you go to that gig? No. no. The only reason I got to go on John Carpenter because that was midweek. It was like a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. It yeah, was Tuesday the, night. I'll Tuesday never night, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, that's the only reason we all got to go to that. And some it, fucker stole my fucking day live hoodie. Paying oh. 60 euro for a day live hoodie, and a week later, some prick stole it off the bar. Oh, no. That, do you oh. know what? That's actually, that's kind of like that whole thing of like robbing phones nowadays. <laughs> Who would do that? Who would rob a they live hoodie? Because people would know how loaded with emotional value something <laughs> yeah. like that is yeah. worth. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I that's, would rather take, yeah. I take your wallet before I take that. 
you know, yeah. like wallet, your, your wallet definitely doesn't have 60 quid in the car, so uh, you'd, be, <laughs> you'd be all right with that. And yeah. what is a wallet of fiver? Yeah, and that, and you, bought fiver. The, you bought it at the gate. Oh, yeah, oh, no. yeah, that is at, cruel. at those John Carpenter prices, fucking hell, yeah, for an extra tenner, you'll sign it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, listen, uh, yeah. I, 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 I do not begrudge a penny that man has no. made when you, when you, no. when you consider how much joy. And how difficult it now is for the world of horror to produce any sort of financial returns when you think about how films now are so devalued. It's like the music mm. industry. Like nobody mm. is paying for films anymore, really. Mm. Yeah. You know, bar the cinema or I'm not... bar. Yeah. Well, nobody's <laughs> buying music. Nobody's, you know. Yeah. So I actually do buy films for the first time in a while. What's what you're buying what... films? Well, yeah, like. I don't go out and buy physical copies, which I really should, but because I get that used, I don't know what to use my phone credit on. I can just yeah. go on to YouTube and just YouTube buy a film. And buy the for, films, yeah. For, and you, and do, you feel good about yourself. You do feel you a know? bit better. You're yeah, like, you, you do. You do. If some film gets cancelled because of the budget now, there's some people that that download movies all exclusively, and then when something gets cancelled, they go, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. 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 Well, man. Yeah. But like well, when you think about like James Bond, like I mean that that film is so expensive. They have yeah. to they'll have to keep that on ice until we're allowed to go to the cinema again. And I was reading up on that film and yeah. it's so the problem with that film is is that they're going to have to retrospectively CGI alter the technology in that film because what they, the technology that they use is so up to date that they wow, it's yeah. so tied in with marketing so like oh you know, and their phones and the cars latest yeah, phone, the yeah. latest car the latest whatever the latest suits oh, wow. the latest shirts the latest all of this is tied up with marketing that they're now going to yeah. have to cgi change all of this Never they have to get the 2021 aston martin or something yeah oh, that's yeah grim. yeah yeah it's, it's, kind so sad be, it's kind of sad because james bond is reliant on the cinema and we found yeah. out recently the cinema was very reliant on James Bond. And it's very reliant, yeah. Fucking in trouble. I know that Tenet movie did okay when it opened, I think, for, for cinemas. Hmm. But um, yeah, that's kind of... That was like the only thing the cinema showed before they closed. They only had, yeah. Tenet. They so have everyone the, in, on earth just like going to the pictures. Like, what are you going to say? Fucking what's nothing else like Tenet. It's a tenant, yeah. yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm obviously very sad if, if things, and it will affect the cinemas. And things, but... Here's the thing, and I say this all the time, and people will go, I don't know, I forgot that. I cinemas are our own worst enemy, man. They weren't yeah. I don't want to be a totalitarian, but they're not policed properly. Every time I go, some shit head is talking and I have to fucking say it or something. Yeah. And I don't ever have good, maybe it's just my bad look. Someone's always kicking the back of my chair, but mostly someone's on their phone and talking. And I'm like, yeah. do I want to be that guy? Do that I, put me I, off. I that do. put me off going to the cinema for years. It did put me off for years. Yeah. So now I just realize there's times you can pick to go to the cinema and yeah. fall in love with it again because for years, cinema over music was films mm. up until yeah, probably still to this day. Really, if I really, really think about it, music is my love. But films as a kid were way more important than yeah, any song yeah. or album ever. Mm-hmm. It was films and films because films had everything. It was audio yeah. and visual. So it's going to be this, a room for me for years. Yeah, but there's a sense of occasion about going to the cinema. Yes. You know, yeah. it, it's a night out. It's a thing to do. It's and. When mm. I, I when I lived near Cineworld in, in town in Dublin, I had the card because I, I lived literally beside the cinema and I used to go to the cinema instead of watching telly. And it was this like going to the cinema by yourself is a lovely thing. Oh, to I love do. it. Yeah. Absolute love it, yeah. luxury. Yeah. I've never done it. It's great. Oh, I've never done and it. like you go yeah. and you don't buy jellies. You just yeah. go in with your bottle of water and yeah. you feel like an absolute cinephile. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. But no pad. What I miss yeah. is yeah, <laughs> what I miss is uh, giving a movie your one hundred percent attention. Like, oh, yeah. oh, that's what you do in the attention. cinema. Yeah. yeah, and you get you get the feel of the sound, and it's huge. And there's no, but that's what I'm saying. That was constantly broken for me by people. I think yeah. it's had a, a run of bad luck going to films. That, but the great thing about that is you never get that in the lighthouse or something like that. Really, yeah. you don't really. Um, and that's why I did start going to see the Lighthouse uh, films. I saw Twin Peaks for a walk with me there and stuff like that, which uh, almost made a song off that almost made it onto the list because mm. that's a horror film. That's not a psychological movie. That's a mm. straight up horror film. And uh, yeah, so um, who was it? Was it me talking about Suspiria? Yeah, yeah. Suspiria is great. <laughs> uh, Gary, you're up next. Uh, my last one. Uh, so I don't have an awful lot of information on this uh, and it's going to be hard to pronounce. In fact, it was probably just a bad choice in general. Uh, it's the the main theme from Rosemary's Baby, right? Uh, And I can't really talk about who made it because he's a scumbag. (laughs) So, (laughs) Snooker... You can name name him. I can name him. So it's 1968. It's made by Roman Polanski. We always leave our scumbags to the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Based on the 1967 novel of the same name by Ira Levin. And apparently they were able to convince Roman Polanski to make this movie because he was mad into skiing. And there was going to be skiing in the movie. So um, where it was going to be say he was going to be able to go skiing. So they sent him a copy of the book. He read it overnight. That's why like, the book came out in 1967 and the movie came out in 1968. So it's very little changeover in it. Yeah. Um, he read it like, overnight. I've not, not finished the book yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's a very slim book. It's quite small. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So, he, so he said he just stayed up all night, read it, and he was into it. He's like, oh, yeah, we're making it. Off he he was into it because it was slim and very new. Yes. <laughs> Go it on. Was small and new, huh? I'm um, here. Now you think I just made the job more subtler. You have to make a door bike. I have to make a So <laughs> the soundtrack is by Jesus Christ. Here we go. I can do this. Christoph Komeda, who was a Polish jazz musician and uh, right. also done some composing for Polish movies like Jazz in Poland. This is a massive deal. Is it? Uh, it's just you don't understand like Polish jazz at one stage was like the world's jazz it's fucking mad like it was it was almost more important than American jazz like Poland absolutely went mad and um, he released he released an album I think like in 61 which is considered to be one of the kind of greatest uh, like the thing that introduced uh, American jazz aficionados into kind of European jazz and in particular Polish jazz, and that kind of made the whole kind of Polish jazz scene explode. Um, he done a bunch of other, he, he done the soundtrack to uh, Knife in the Water, Culdy Sack, and Fearless Vampire Killers as well, which is mad weird. And this fucked up, right? This is literally the last bit of information I have about this fella. <laughs> he died in like 1969, the year after this movie comes out. He dies because he gets pushed out of an apartment window, Right? He gets oh. pushed out of an apartment window by a guy called uh, Marek Klasko, who is a screenwriter from Poland as well. This is in Los Angeles. Um, apparently, like Polanski and fucking Christoph and Marek and all that, all get to get all the kind of Polish expats right. that were working yeah. together in Hollywood and try to make movies and all hang out and get locked and mm-hmm. active bollocks and um, messing around. Apparently, they always like to get locked and they start wrestling with each other. And this guy, Marek, just pushed poor El Christoph, and out the window he went, landed on his head. Uh, so didn't die instantly. Accident? Yeah, it was kind of a Tom Fulkery accident. 
and um, I want to push you, but the fact that you're by a window is not putting me off. Yeah, exactly. So right. now he landed on his head. He died a, Jesus, a couple of weeks later. They ended up, they got him back to Poland. He died in Poland a couple of weeks later, I think. Um, so they got him out of America, sent him home so he could die at home. Um, but his career was only kind of starting to get going as a composer and stuff like that in there. Because like, this music, the, the Rosemary's Baby theme is fucking amazing. It's real mm-hmm. haunting. It's real spooky. It's got everything that you want, I think, from from this kind of uh, like a, a horror theme podcast. It's, it's kicking all the buttons here. The guy, Marek, <coughs> who pushed him out the window accidentally, died the same year. Died oh. the same year. Uh, nobody knows how he died. Uh, the rumor was that he killed himself um, with drinking drugs that he felt so Dealing bad. With the grief of this yeah. other thing, yeah. Um, but it's never been confirmed. It's, uh, he, I think he went back to Poland and he just died. And his family don't talk about it. His friends don't talk about it. His friends, when they asked, when they said like, was it suicide? He said he would never commit suicide. But the general lying in Hollywood was that he had killed himself. Wow. Um, just OD'd or whatever and done it. But, um, the curse of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Rosemary's baby, yeah. I, I, I've seen Rosemary's Baby a hundred fucking times and I can't remember a fucking thing about Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> really? I'm not even like, joking. I know Why it's a joke. That? I don't know. I know I've seen it a hundred times. Right. But when I try to draw the foils out of my brain, it just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah one with the short hair, yeah. Mia Farrell. That's literally, yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's not even me, a farrow. We want the short hair and black and white. Yeah, that's literally what my brain does black and white, short hair. That's all I can remember about that film. Right. Um, that piece of music, when I was going through, when I was rooting through everything and I come across that, I was like, fuck, I remember. I remember, I remember this being used in like other things as well, not seriously, like piss takes, like uh, stupid sketch shows and stuff like that. Whenever they wanted it, they were doing like a, a horror comedy sketch for a minute. Yeah, they play stuff like it, this because yeah. it's fucking, yeah. it's that oh, oh, creep up behind you and get you. I, I love that piece of music. Uh, fuck Roman Polanski. Who's your next one? <laughs> Sarah, you're up next. Fuck Roman Polanski. Yeah, <laughs> but can I just say though, right? Not to not not to to, to delay on this for a second. No, you can do not so. to delay on this for a second. Um. <laughs> Within within a music podcast, though, surely you're going to be on very dodgy ground if you deny yourselves the opportunity to talk to isolate the art from the artist. Oh no, we do that. We do that all the time, and we all the time. We, go, we go in heavy on people, but we also we do that. Yeah. We, I suppose we do separate it every time we pick someone. We're sort of promoting them uh, in a sense. So even when we and if they do fit the bill for the thing, like we're <laughs> talking about. Like Axel Rose has come up a few times as being not a particularly great guy sometimes and a great guy mm-hmm. other times. Michael Jackson comes up in every fucking second playlist. And, and David Grohl. You, you're my, there's no pretty. <laughs> Dave Grohl. He's Hell trying yeah. to start a rumor about Dave Grohl. Oh, Wait for here. it. Wait you for can't it. do that. You can't do that. You Wait can't for it. Do that. Wait up. The evidence is there. The evidence is there, lads. You're you're saying it's gonna happen. I'm telling you right now, something ropey is going to happen. Every yeah. fucking week, there's like, Dave Grohl has a baby to fucking on stage with guitar. Dave Grohl invites child to backstage room to learn how to play a song. Because he wants Ro- to promote music. There's something ropey going on with Dave Grohl. I'm telling you right now. I think, I don't know, man. I really Wait don't. I think, I think, for want of a better way to say it, I think he's too boring to be the guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, he's part of a band that's so middle of the road. Like, I'm surprised they haven't been knocked over by a car. Like, it's the perfect like, cover. You know? The perfect cover. You know no, the perfect cover will be unreal. Like, to be unreal. Although, yeah, 
History uh, tells us that. Lost prophets. Yeah, Moving yeah, on. Yeah. Moving on. Right. So my... Sorry. Go on. <laughs> little dwarf words. Right. Okay. So now that we, we've settled that argument kind of about separating the art from the artist, I still would recommend uh, everybody go out and watch Rosemary's Babies. It's mm. one of those kind of pivotal horror films that you yeah. need to stock in there along with Suspiria as well. It's just an incredible film. Extremely problematic from a 21st, 21st century perspective. A little bit of kind of like weird rapey things going on mm. and a devil baby. But um, definitely uh, one to watch. So my yeah, last also, thing- Especially with movies in general, there's also a awful lot of other people working on that film that mm. you don't, shouldn't deny their... Uh, absolutely oh yeah. absolutely no but the actual narrative has got that weird rape scene in it oh yeah, yeah. like you know well honey you were asleep and i just thought i'd do it okay honey so yeah well, it's really yeah. kind of we- yeah really kind of weird um you blanked that from your memory gar i think um <laughs> right okay so my last pick is probably if you if in isolation from Romero is probably my favorite horror film of all times. Romero is again kind of in in isolation from everything. Um but Return of the Living Dead and it is the uh the Tritroxin theme which is that fabulous start to Dan O'Bannon's 1985 Return of the Living Dead and it's brilliant. Oh, it's it's just it's by Francis Haynes and it's just one of those songs that just gets me so excited when I hear it coming. Um, I don't know anything much about Frank's, uh, Francis Haynes. I don't think there is much to know right, um, cool. really about him. Um, but Dan O'Brannon, again, is one of those guys. He was kind of just like the outliers of, of even of the horror industry. Of um, But just one of those, he passed away recently, but he was just one of those guys that was always on the fringes, always doing really interesting things yeah. within the genre. And that music at the start and at the end is just so special, um, especially at the end of Return of the Living Dead, which people always kind of put down as being really like a, a skit on uh, Dawn of the Dead. But in actual yeah. fact, if you sit down and watch it, it's much more cynical. It's much more nihilistic because there's a famous play on it where it's like, well, you've seen Dawn of the Dead, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a zombie downstairs just like that. And it's like, yeah. there's a famous line in it where they go to kill the zombie in the head. And it's like, you mean the film lied? Yeah. <laughs> because you can't kill the zombie by shooting him in the head. You can't kill a zombie. <laughs> um, and then the end sequence you see, um, you know, well, probably ruining it now, but oh, feck is it's nearly 40 years old. You see like all the zombie dust go up into the air and you know that America is uh, fucked yeah, and you yeah. have the Tritoxin song going on. It's just brilliant. It has Actually, I own the soundtrack on vinyl and, and the second one as well, yeah. It has a sort of almost slightly electronic industrial feel at the start of it. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's really, it does. really good. Don't know yeah. anything really about Francis Haynes other no, than I know crazy. that he just absolutely... Mm. Just one of those songs that I just, again, gets me very excited as a horror mm, fan when yeah. I hear that. And you have all of these amazing, iconic characters such as Tar Man and you have, you know, the Send More Paramedics. And it just, it's just a <laughs> brilliant film. So much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's got Elena Quigley in it, you know, doing a striptease <laughs> as a zombie. It's just got so much fun in it. Great fun movie, yeah. 
Great yeah. fun, great yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I put that. I, I put that exact version on it, but for some reason, it's definitely the same version. But for some reason, Spotify is calling it a different artist because I think it's yeah. Really well, so if anyone's seen that, um, that it is the Francis Haynes is, is Francis Haynes. Yeah, um, version A I N E S. Yeah, that is that is on on the playlist. Yeah, yeah I want to go and watch that film now. Actually, it's I'm going to go watch that before bed as well. Yeah, look at the time going. I really want. That's a great fucking film. Yeah, it's a great before bed film. <laughs> it's a great before yeah there's some horrors i won't watch before bed like like i wouldn't watch wolf creek before bed i for some reason wolf creek still scares the shit out of me yeah. i think it's really that's a dodgy film yeah or like yeah. eden lake something like that you don't yeah. really want yeah. to be too yeah. unsettled yeah yeah you don't want it so, real before bed do you, you know? yeah all, although in saying that i do i have been partial to be putting on some absolutely horrible shit half seven in the morning when i've no other time to watch it so <laughs> yeah i guess yeah well like you especially if you, when you were like I don't know much how much more films you have to watch than you'd already watched to, to do what you were doing when you were becoming a doctor. I'm sure you'd still have to watch a lot more. Things like that. But your time would be like, well, it's nine o'clock. I can't watch a course. I have to watch a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, no. I, you know, I watched a Serbian film a quarter to eight in the morning. Like, Can't watch that. No. I, don't, I don't think that's for me. You no. watched that. Did you not watch that? I, I watched about 15 minutes, about two and a half. I can't do it, lads. It's just... Death. Their scene or or just the film in general? No, just the film in general. I just I knew it was coming, and enough people are telling me what the fuck's going on, and I knew yeah. the way it started. I was like, no, we're not having that. No, it's, it's one of those films. I hate not being able to watch a film. I don't know how highly rated. Like, let's say for instance, Irreversible is a hugely highly rated movie, mm-hmm. which has awful, awful scenes in it. So I remember mm-hmm. being young, and a lot, I've only ever watched Irreversible once. I think you only have to watch it once. Yeah, I, I don't think you should it. watch it more than once because I no. think you ruin the impact that it yeah. has, that it needs to. It's like a requiem for a dream. I don't think you yes. need to rewatch that. Film. Yeah, yeah, it, it takes its toll on you a little bit, it and does, you kind of yeah. go right. Um, it would almost almost feel like voyeurism watching it again in weird yeah. ways. In some yeah. Way. So yeah, I, I've never watched Serbian movie, even though I don't know how highly it's rated. Is it? Really? It's not a great. It's. Do you know what? For your listeners, what I would recommend is a film Kill List instead. Kill List, great. Right. I like Kill List, Kill List a is lot. Similar. It, it it navigates the same similar territory, um. But it but but there's an intelligence behind mm. um Kill List that isn't in Serbian film. The problem what I have with Serbian film is not its actual content. It just takes itself. To, it, it's not delivering upon the message that it's saying it's saying right, right? yeah and it, it's yeah. about basically that everyone in serbia got fucked so here's a film in which everything and everyone will get fucked um it's saying that it's not delivering that mm. you know if if you want right, to yeah. just do the whole hostile thing go for it and i'll respect you for that but if you're trying to make something really grotesque be intelligent and it's not delivering upon it. That's the thing I don't respect about mm. it. So yeah, it's it's un, it's unnecessary for what it's trying to say. A that's lot of other felt. films that's, have that's done what I felt better. I'd, I'd hate to sit down and watch it, go through that for it to not get a great film or something that I needed to see. Exactly, it's not it's not it's not worth it's not worth the assault yeah. on, on on the senses. To be brutally honest with you. Yeah. But you know, it's still it's still it still does. I still wouldn't censor it. I still I still think it deserves. Of course, it. Yeah. Hmm. But at the same time, it's 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 not worth it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. to sit yeah. through that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah I, don't, I don't think I ever will. I think certain on killer become, clowns instead. I've become, yeah. yeah, I've become much more sensitive the older I get. You are a so, sensitive little creature, though. I, anyway, I just be, yeah. watch a uh, battery's not included instead. Be oh great. no! Fuck That's off! Really... Don't 
do that. I lo- I'm that's, still not yeah. over that film. Oh, <laughs> yeah, everyone talks about legend, but they don't talk about that. Yeah. Every time I watch that film, I forget that he survives. Yeah. Every time I watch that film and he's there nudging his little dead sister yeah. and I just think, oh, fuck, I forgot he died. Yeah, oh, that's a whopper film. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Almighty. Are we at the end? Uh, your last yeah. one and then we're done, yeah. Yeah, we're done. Well, you guys got to pick a John Carpenter, so I had to pick a John Carpenter. And I've picked um, Christine. Hmm. Christine, Ah. the theme Christine, just because I love it so much. Now, Christine is not my favourite John Carpenter film. I think it's fantastic. But it is my favourite John Carpenter theme. And he is so fucking many that it is really hard to pick one. But because I'm a big synth wave head, it's such a great synthy song. Like, it really, really... Christine is perfect. The build-up, and it has everything. It's still a little bit creepy it hasn't mm. gone full rock like uh ghost, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's touching on it because christine has to be it's interspersed with rock songs like george torgood and, and <laughs> stuff around it like mm. and uh i think little richard is on the soundtrack as well so it fits in with it and it's god i just love i love playing it when i'm djing people always go yeah, it's a little toe tapper isn't it like yeah it's a little toe tapper um it's about the, it's a movie about the car that can that can get kills people. Uh, it can repair itself. It's on paper. Doesn't sound like it could ever be a great film, but it is. It just it is, is yeah. because the way it's handled, the way it's directed, and the way it's written. So you're talking Stephen King and you're talking John Carpenter together, and it was is a pretty good success. I think it made twice the amount of its budget and stuff like that, and it did review quite well as well. Um, I think a lot, I think it reviewed quite well because it was Stephen King involved in it as well. I think if that was just John Carpenter, people would have went, no, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, Stephen King was involved. Oh, hmm, maybe this Carpenter guy has got something going for him. Like, yeah, okay, you know what I mean? But um, I really do like it. Uh, the first... The first... Have, have a, have a, um, John Carpenter wasn't... Sorry, he was the first choice for directing it. But he initially turned it down because he was busy on supposed to be doing Firestarter. Mm. Yes, and he didn't get that. Didn't get that. So the no. delays and all that meant that he was free to do Christine. He so didn't get that... it because of how badly the um, the thing did. Oh, is that what it was? Mm, really? Thing, oh, thing, wow. Thing, thing went on to be an absolute cult classic. Yeah. But it did not receive well in the box office. Yeah, so crazy. he was lined up to do um, Firestarter, which was meant to be kind of like in the poltergeist kind of blockbuster yeah. territory. And, um, you know, like Steven Spielberg was meant to do uh, poltergeist, but he couldn't do it because he was bound up in the contract with E.T. Yeah. Um, so we had Toby Hooper doing poltergeist. But similarly, he was meant to be doing Firestarter and he kind of got edged out because yeah. of how badly the thing did. It's crazy. Like, I, there's something about his films that people absolutely love that clearly the general public and the general movie going fan back then in the 80s just couldn't click with. It's, yeah. is, it not, is it not tidy enough for them? Or is it not obvious enough for them? Sometimes I think John Carpenter's movies aren't obvious. They always have an element of an angry little rocker is making these films. Absolutely. Well, they, yeah, they, I, they're, they're anarchic at their core. Yeah, I mean, exactly, if you think yeah. of something like they live, 
that's a really angry Jesus, film. Yeah. You know it what is, I mean? Like, it it's, is. but it's outwardly, it's very funny. It's a lot, of, you know. It's yeah, good lines in it. All the rest of Roddy Roddy Piper, all yeah. this sort of thing. But at the same time, it's really angry and it's really subversive. And I think that's mm. maybe the thing that people going yeah. in thinking that they're going to be like ha 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 slapstick, where he's actually saying something. Mm. You know, yeah, I, so. I was reading there's a there's a, a theory that um Christine the car was controlled by Pennywise the clown. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> because all uh, Stephen King novels are connected, there's a thing in the book where one of the characters, Henry, is collected in a 58 Chevy in, in, in Christine and it's driven by one of the dead kids from it. Right. The book. Well, Oh right, um, what's the name? But, but, Butch Huggins or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, what, what Christine actually is, though. No, is, it's just a bit. Yeah. It's because King has the spine of the Dark Tower that every single novel and story has is like a, a layer or a floor in the Dark Tower that there's leakage between mm. all right. those different stories. So even like that, that's great in theory. <laughs> it, it, it kind of works. So a lot of it is like. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he was on coke when he wrote a lot of of his early stuff yeah, as well. Though. Yeah, like, yeah, like, we're gonna tie that one in. Yeah, <laughs> like, he like, says he doesn't remember writing Kojo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, like, the, the okay. So one of the first things he ever wrote was the Gunslinger, which is the first book of the Dark Tower, and then he went on afterwards and he writes fucking everything else. And he, he said that it was always there in the back of his head that he wanted to have some connection that you could get from, like. Book 40 to book two, fairly handy, if you get me. So every time, like he has another one, he's another, he has another book called uh, From a Buick 8, mm-hmm. um, which is another haunted car fucking type of story as well. And it's supposed to be that when you open up the trunk of the car, it opens up a portal into one of the worlds from the Dark Tower where the baddies right. live. And they're grabbing right. people through the boot, the car and all this kind of shit. So it does end up tying an awful lot of stuff like remember that anthony hopkins movie hearts in atlantis mm-hmm. like that's a that's a that's actually a chunk that that is a book he wrote but that book is about a character from the uh from the dark tower is that the whole idea that's actually supposed to be if i remember correctly his character is supposed to be the father from pet cemetery the priest from pet cemetery oh okay. or from salem's lot sorry from salem's lot that was meant to be his story about what happened to him before that. Yeah, I like when lineage and stuff like that yeah. is tied together. But just saying, the boot of that car opens and it goes to the other book. Yeah, he's just mad for that little link. And that, that like, uh, like I'm a massive Stephen King fan. I've read every single Stephen King book at least twice. And uh, like a massive Dark Tower fan more so than anything else. I'd say I read most of those other books because... I read somewhere that every single book is connected to the Dark Tower right. in some way, shape, or form as well. So I'm a fucker for any King movie or book or fuck anything they make. I'm all then they made that. Re- then they made that really good movie that you love. Which one? Or oh, the actual Dark Tower movie? That bombing a fucking abomination of a thing. Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry to open that. Go on, go on about your Christine. Anyway. Yeah. Yes, because we are coming to the end. Um, look, I said it before. Carpenter doesn't have any right to be that good at, mm. at what he does. He's one of the few um, directors that will score his stuff. Another obvious one would be David Lynch, who nearly made it onto this playlist with, with Antonio or Angelo Badamantelli for um, for Welcome Me. Uh, Robert Rodriguez as well. I think Clint Eastwood has done it a few times as well. Mm. Being able to score your own movies gets, gives you 
you don't have to tell the artist what you want it to sound like. And that's incredible. You get that duality of audio and visual. And um, yeah, so that was my final point on John Carpenter. Um, that was good. I enjoyed that. That's a yes. great list. I have to be honest with you. I know we didn't play any of the songs because it would have taken another hour. It would have yeah. been another hour here. On yeah. And, um, the, the playlist is there for people. Um, play, we'll release the playlist um, the same day as this podcast. Um, usually we wait so, a couple yeah. of days. But we'll put the playlist out. With yeah, this. we notice when we put the playlist up, someone will read it and go, episodes. Yeah. I don't listen to the podcast. They <laughs> just look at the playlist. There's an amazing story about like, it yeah. could be about Simply Red. I don't like Simply Red. Yeah, neither do we. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> we're shitting on him in this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Sarah, thanks a million for joining us. No and worries. We will, we will post links to Deadly Doses. For people that enjoyed yep. the horror element of that, you're absolutely going to love that podcast yes. for sure. And um, you we'll catch you on the Elaine show as well. What's oh, it like geez. working on TV? Well, you know what? When I was a little girl, all I ever wanted to be was the token horror girl on a daytime TV show. That's all I dreamt <laughs> yeah. about every night when I went to sleep. And it's like, you know... It's always great, you know, it's like Kardashian story, Kardashian story, Kardashian story, mother kills child. So, Sarah, what do you think about this story? And it's like every time there's something ooey or gooey or kooky or whatever, it's kind of like it goes to to me like so. You know, I'm a normal gal. I, you yeah. know, I want, I, you know, but um, yes, it's good fun. It's good fun. But um, cool. yeah, no, it's, ab- it's absolutely been a pleasure. And I've, I've learned you, yeah. so much um, being on the show and listening to you guys. You're encyclopedic when it comes to your music genre. It's, 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 Clearly, quite we, ner- we, it's we nerve wracking. We pretend on, to be. But it's well, nerve wracking coming on. To I'm just like glad this. we got to talk to most. We did mostly, like I said, I knew we were going to talk mostly about the films, and that's why. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's so it's, important the relationship though between music and you know yeah. it's, that, it's that thing that if you if you ever want to watch a horror film and there's a scene coming up that you're nervous or and you're by yourself, you turn the volume down. Yeah. Um, because sound and se- especially sound design, you know, yeah. we didn't even get to talk about sound, sound design, sound you design, know, foley, all that stuff. When, so when we've got yeah. like you know the whole reep 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 in yeah. Psycho, or we've go. got you know that fantastic score in Jaws. There's so much of that that just never even appeared. Um, and and then you have even just the collection of songs and the way in which they paint pictures like you know i know people are he's very diverse figure but like i i am a massive rob zombie fan and i think he yeah with music very well mm, he um, does yeah scene yeah. setting yeah he's better at that yeah. <laughs> no, <I> know. <laughs> listen devil's rejects come on give him a break <laughs> devil's rejects is good but uh i actually don't mind any of his films i just thought Halloween. i don't like that what was that three or 31 or what was the fucking 31 garbage yeah well lords of salem lords of salem for for music fans actually is really interesting because it starts it's contextualized within a radio station and it's Mm. all to do with the devil's music Mm. which in this case is um satanic is Um, pontypool like that as well i haven't seen pontypool weirdly that's the radio station pontypool is one of my favorite horror films of all time really okay i'll watch that tomorrow Pontypool is 100% recommend. Um, it is a, basically a film in which there is a virus attached to the English language that turns us into cannibalistic monsters. Interesting. Wow. An amazing film. I, know, I don't know why I didn't watch that when it came out, but I, I just, I just it's one actually, of those films that just escaped me. It's, it's, based, it's based on a radio play. 
um, which is based on a book. Tony Burgess, Pontypool Changes Everything. And the radio play is available on YouTube. And I recommend your listeners listen to the radio play. It's absolutely brilliant. It's so okay. good. Yeah, really, really yeah, good. Excellent. Okay. Anyway, well, that's it. Everyone's like, I, I think after this, everyone's going to be like, I, I have things to watch. Killer Clowns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So thanks a million for this. And sorry Thank you for very much. This yep. long, but we do like to ramble and talk show a lot. And um, I'm sure. Friends. And and um, good luck with the with the podcast again. Absolutely. Thank you. It. It's fantastic. And we'll uh, stick up links to Deadly Doses, which you will absolutely love if you liked any of the waffle that we gave today. We Thank you. <laughs> and Thank you very much. Want to give the info about our um... yeah so uh, uh what we do i can't believe there's a foot camera on me uh we do the podcast every week we do a live show every saturday night if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast that's a subscription-based service it's five euros a month you can subscribe for a month now fuck off or you can keep it on there do whatever you want then we've got kofi.com forward slash lost our podcast and that allows you to tip us in a uh, three euros and three dollar increments all the information is up on lost yeah can i have some more exactly i spilled uh i spilled my glass of water and i've no more now till tomorrow so go to patreon <laughs> patreon.com forward slash last hour podcast and uh we will see you guys again uh next week thank you very much good night thanks thanks a million lads for having me